Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk More Movies, the show where I try and talk about movies, but never talk about anything and everything else. I am your host, Michael Breslin. To my left is... Jean-Claude. And to my right... Colm Hearn. Oh, he back, baby. Oh, he back. <laughs> <laughs> Before we start off proceedings, can I just say that your dog, who is currently sitting on my lap, smells phenomenal. Yeah, she got a bath. <laughs> she's not like, get groomed as well. She looks fucking super tiny. Aye. Just throw in a wash machine. Just fuck her in. Throw in a wash machine. Shrinks every Co- time. Couple of bars of dove on there. Like, <laughs> let her rattle about for a while. She's getting a bit fat. They had a shrinker. Just <laughs> <laughs> fuck her in a dryer after. We set a goggles just all there. We <laughs> <laughs> snorkel on her. <laughs> no, but seriously, smell evil. I know. I, I, I don't know. I, do you I know what that some, scent does? Me purchase of, it from my own dogs. Some kind of dog perfume they spray with. We have dog perfume. Why is it? it? Smells like shit. She try and drink my vodka. She loves a drink, man. Does she actually? Aye. See, do you know what's strange? When we kind of got Jax, who's my staffy, Savage or Bull Terrier, um, I basically took him off a friend, as you know, but I'm just saying this for all listeners' benefit. <laughs> uh, he'd moved to Canada, and he didn't really want to put the dog back in the pound because obviously they usually kind of fucking kill him after like three weeks, and that would have broke my heart too. So I took him, but. Dave was always just one rule, see if he's trying to drink, don't worry about your vodka because he only likes Carlsberg and I was like, ah, fuck off, dogs. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, dogs don't have preference when it comes to drink, but sure enough, any timers at party, only goes in green tons, ignores everything else. <laughs> we fucking creep high like far, like son. Yeah. <laughs> do, you ever, do you ever see him pushed? What? Do you ever see him pushed? No, no, we never get him pushed. <laughs> <laughs> I mind it. I know, fairness, looking back, I don't even like admitting this because it is cruelty, but I was only 15 when it happened, but I was only 15. But, uh, me and a friend of mine years ago got Gio, who's been on this podcast once or twice. We got his old dog, Homer, absolutely fucking steamingly. Oh, we just yeah. we poured a like a Carlsberg on this bowl, and we thought, oh, it's going to be hilarious, but then it got very sad very quickly. <laughs> yeah. It's like, guy, we've made a mistake here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Jesus Christ. Just run around in circles and booking fucking everywhere. It no, just wasn't it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't a good sight. Like, and then Gio came out, it was always trying to dog, it was all fucking fucking heads on like this back or something like that there. <laughs> Couldn't fess up. They could look at my face. Did say animals weren't harmed? No, make those podcasts. <laughs> Probably can't anymore. No. Hey, well, this happened eight years ago. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not fessed up to make crime. You didn't die or anything. It was fine. But I mean, like I shouldn't. Have <laughs> what's What's the statute of limitations on like dog dog crime? <laughs> dog crime. Hopefully, know. it's more than eleven years <laughs> or less than eleven years. The NSPCA breaking down the door. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, seriously. Look, I love, I love dogs. Look. <laughs> 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 Call them one. <laughs> I'll have her strategically placed. <laughs> just to clarify as well, we don't give Suki drink. She just always goes up to it. 
in case people took me saying she loves a drink. She's nearly having a fucking connection that you're talking about. I don't know. She can't set. How, lo- how long as well do you reckon that I, she can stay on my lap? Do you think I can hold her for the next two hours? I doubt it very much. Nah, she, she'd be too warm. You'd be sweating. I'd love that though because we'd be chilling here today. Oh, you about nap, about nap about, in the tent? Would you say nappy around the top? In the tent. <laughs> <laughs> I face mean, is about nappy around the top. As always, like your wee kind of play on words for chilly around the wally. Oh fuck! Actually, no, she's going now. I'll still try and hold on there. The fuck are you doing there? Rubbing <laughs> her stomach. The dogs love this. It's about low for the. But low. That's her stomach there. That's her fucking chest. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Now I'm fucking filling up dogs. <laughs> Never mind. Get them blocked. Get them blocked. I'm filling them up. <laughs> Classic Shankar. <laughs> yeah, that's about weird. I want to do it to Jackson sometimes as we wally pokes out and touches uh, me in the hand. I'm like, oh, put it away, son. <laughs> I mean, as we love stick comes out. Put that thing back. It's always fucking. Hey, it's always fucking. <laughs> hey, it's always soaking too. Like I don't know what that. I don't know what that is. It's just it's a strange goo on them. Maybe I'm fucking. All right, anyway, move on. Well, maybe <laughs> bonk. In in dog world, is it the man that lubricates I rather than the no woman? No idea. I don't want to know. To be quite honest with you. <laughs> Mickey wants to know. <laughs> Fuck you, Mickey I'm, wants to know. I'm, I'm not the one that brought up fucking Jax's gooey tip. I'm just fucking saying, like, sometimes I pet him because he loves his owner, he gets a wee bit too excited. Danger <laughs> Never works. <laughs> I always just feel like there should be, like, a wee, like, joker laugh at the end. Speak to Ram McGargle, you can fucking pull on there if he. Nah, he's dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Ryan's up this weekend too, and I was all, should we get him on the podcast? He's been on ages. And Mickey was quite sceptical about this. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have a good track record on the podcast. He's a pretty fucking horrendous track record, in fairness. Shall last time they did not fucking kick a lead and we lost like an hour of footage, or sorry, not footage, an hour of recording. Oh, was that him? <laughs> <laughs> oh, was that him, eh? As if you haven't been seething about it for months. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Danger Bottle is every week we get a bottle of booze, normally around five pounds, although I think that rule has gone out the window pretty much. Yeah, well, we, <laughs> dis- we discussed that last week about how we think we've kind of... We've tapped per- all the five pound bottles. We've purchased dairy. every five pound bottle there is, so I mean, like, we are just going to have to fucking start spending a wee bit more now. Was it really, like, when we first kind of implemented that five pound rule, was it just to kind of save us money? I don't know. No, I think the the essence of a danger bottle is it's supposed to be it cheap. It has to be cheap. Usually. Cheap and shit. Mm. Uh, I did warn you at the very start, though, that this would happen. I told you the day would come, and it's fucking happened way quicker than I was expecting. Well, a year in, we? Like. <laughs> yeah, well, still. I still thought we could have rode it out, rode the lightning for at least Maybe two. You start hitting the, you start going online, yeah. search for exotic. Or just damages. But, but alcohol online isn't cheaper. It's more expensive. What we should do is just Bullshit. stop going to Tesco all the time. Maybe mm. take a wee trip down the Asda. We Ooh. we field shop down the Shabban. We we uh, they uh, deliver. So oh, uh, sort of. I know we've I've gotten a couple from Mazda. We need to get online and fucking see what they got the offer. See if they've got a couple of five pound wonders on there. Yep. Right, the hair. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You, you got danger bottle this week. Uh, aye. Well, it, it, it's nothing particularly exotic. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's pretty exotic. Because you don't drink. <laughs> it's quite, it's quite fancy. Captain Morgan's a coke. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not a five pound job, but uh Well, Shan brought a few weeks ago dark Captain Morgan's <laughs> Dina Watty, uh fair play there. It was actually Lita's cousin bought me like a, a liter bottle of a dark Captain Morgan's for my birthday. I think I mentioned this in the last podcast. And I was delighted because I think that's like fucking it's over twenty pound a bottle or something like Aye. that. But it's absolutely fucking leaping. Aye. I cannot drink dark rum, so I'm more than likely just gonna give it to you. Sweet. It's lovely. Do you, do you like it? I, I fucking love it. I, it well, is, you can share it between yourselves. It is uh, the fucking 
game changer of I Dark Room. Not as much spiced as that, but say, you know, I hate this phrase, but I'm going to use it anyway. First word problem. Ah, fuck. I've been out getting pushed the last two nights. It's fucking Mickey's birthday night. I have to go out and get pushed again. Fuck. <laughs> fuck sick. <laughs> <laughs> but you are, your body's dying. You know, you're, you're essentially saturated and drink. <laughs> and uh, you just go, ah, fuck it. I'll get a wee Morgan, see how that grabs me. And then... Uh, you take one aim and then it's like you've never drank in your life before. <laughs> <laughs> You're a new man. So, so here's a bit of drinking advice. Uh, <laughs> I really wouldn't take that advice. Top, <laughs> uh, <laughs> last talk more movies. Top, top. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on your thir- third night on the track. <laughs> <laughs> on your third night on the fucking track. Have, have a wee rum and uh, coke. A wee, a wee bit of fucking squeeze lime on it as well. I'm not, I'm not sure how you... <laughs> I'm not sure how above board this is, like, because essentially what he's saying is, see when your body's essentially fucked, just get stuck on that dark rum. That's <laughs> <laughs> the, la- the last sub saloon, like. But, uh, what do you call it? Uh, this one was actually procured by uh, a friend of mine, Robert, who was coming over. Oh, why? And I, he sent me a, you know, a, a, a picture on Instagram or whatever at the airport going, sure, why not? Of a, bo- <laughs> of a bottle of rum. I was like, oh, fuck. I thought it was just a joke because right, right, right. when we went, they, uh, they, I visited them in one time and uh, there was a deal on where you get two bottles of Morgan's for 25 euro. And we're all, fuck shit, that'll do us for the week. It's gone two nights. Like. <laughs> it's fucking Christ. age, I'd say. All enough, just but, uh, we hear him talking about fucking nailing through drink way quicker than what he expected as well. Uh, he said to me, <laughs> he got paid recently and he said to me, he was all, I'm gonna get on a, I'm gonna get on a stack of these fucking crits up here, especially you know the ones you get fucking ten on for three pound or three fifty or so on Tesco. He's always just you know so I can put my hand on my time I got people back to the house they were gone about a fucking two weeks or so. <laughs> Sorry about that little technical difficulties. I don't know actually what happened, just the shit itself. But anyway, <laughs> professional um, term. <laughs> shit, but yeah, we're. But have you ever tried that? Of like, oh, you have a wee emergency bottle of vodka, or Never, I ever for, for a while I had like an emergency bottle of Jameson, just for like, I don't know, just to drink. It. <laughs> it's like, what does an emergency <laughs> bottle even fucking mean? Like, but you always just fucking break on that, like, and it just never happens. Uh, but I, I love that too because I've always said the fucking late time. Well, I we know the way we've got the press that we put a lot of drinking and stuff like that. Usually it's whatever's lying out there. It's just like my vodka, and maybe a wee bottle of wine that she's drinking or something. But I've always said, no, I kind of want a wee selection. So if you had visitors around the house, you can make a wee cocktail or something like that. Mm. Never fucking works. <laughs> I mean, at Christmas, about six weeks before Christmas, I started building up all the drink. So I was just buying all wee cheap balls of fucking this, that, and everything from Tesco, Sainsbury's, whatever fucking supermarket I was in. And uh, I might even bought this ball of Avocat. Mine, that, that, cost, that, oh. Dutch, that Dutch custard liqueur. Oh, yeah. Fucking jiving. Absolutely disgusting. But... I thought to myself, oh, the amount of drink I've got there, happy days, this will do us through Christmas. I might even be able to start a wee collection going down the year. It's gone in four days. <laughs> it's fucking gone straight away, like, shocking. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Hey, you know what the best thing is? I think I had about three people around over Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Including you and Lita. <laughs> the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we have our rum and cokes. Oh, fuck here. sorry, sorry, I don't, don't even see it there. Lovely stuff. Cheers, gentlemen, cheers. Cheers. Lovely to be here. Lovely to be here. Excellent. Lovely. <laughs> I 
I'm grabbing that dog again, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't make a quick move there. Yeah, that, was, that was pretty good. <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> <laughs> got practice at home. I too have a bastard of a dog. <laughs> <laughs> she's not a bastard. Nah, she's lovely, am I joking? Um, is that, like, spice? Rum stuff. All oh, right, I was expecting just rum. Oh. Hardcore rum drunk, are you now these days, Mickey? I, after I had those two glasses of the dark rum. Well, they were fucking two of <laughs> the biggest glasses i ever seen, because I left here and that ball was nearly full. No, it's Chad, nah, you, it's fucking Chad you, you fucking always do this here. You, you say, like, oh, I'll leave that vodka there. There's, like, maybe, like, a drink's worth of vodka. Then you come back and be all, I left most of a bottle of vodka. Did I not say <laughs> before I left this house, do not touch that vodka. Or, sorry, right, that and, rum. And I said to you, this is a pirate household. We drink what's <laughs> left. <laughs> I thought you were taking a hand, though. Nope. <laughs> Especially not with rum. Obviously not. <laughs> it's the most piratey drink ever. Did you be sitting there with a wee Captain Jack fucking Halloween outfit on, though, drinking <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I couldn't find it, so I just put on some eyeliner. <laughs> you would look good, eyeliner, Mickey. Eyeliner, eyeliner, Um. Okay, so what have we watched this week, folks? Who wants to go first? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we both bugged at Heron. I know. Calm Heron. It's, it's first time back. Uh, like, I've watched quite a bit this week. I'm trying to pick which. Um, what was your favorite? And um, what was your least favorite? You look so awkward with that. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm holding her like a fucking Kalashnikov here. Like, I actually am. I watched uh, Point Blank. Oh, yes. John Berman. Aye, but it was it was really annoying because it's obviously Payback's a remake of it. Aye. And I knew everything was going to happen. Aye. It's fucking dead annoying. It, that there will be up in my top 20 because we actually talked about it there. Mine, it must have been oh, a good few weeks ago now. Aye. What's it about again? Uh... It's about a boy who gets double crossed at the start, and then they th- they leave him for dead at oh. this robbery. Oh shit! Oh, yeah, Alcatraz. Ah, oh, yeah. And then when uh, you're going through your alcohol uh, alcohol period, Alcatraz period. I've always been that fucking alcohol period, like <laughs> yeah. But uh, and then he comes back. They they get the specific. I mean, they're all like, "Oh, it's one hundred and fifty thousand, but he wants ninety three thousand. The specific, and it's like an ongoing joke. They do do they do it in payback as well. But what's payback? The Mel Gibson one. Oh yeah, the exact same story. Is it the exact same story? Because I've seen I that. Do you like Payback? Actually, I got sorry for what it was. Like, I like it too. Well, but I, the, the problem, I, from just, memory, it's like it's a really brutal film, isn't it? Like, it's fairly, uh, fairly uh, violent. Uh, and uh, actually, the, the, it's a nice, it's, it's a pretty well shot from Payback as well. But uh, no, I just annoyed me because uh, not nothing surprised me about the film. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it was just, uh, it was beautifully shot. I don't know how there, and it was cool seeing Lee Marvin and all, but. It's really weird that the the remake because when I was younger I was a big, you know, well, still I'm a Mel Gibson fan, but uh, just had tapes and stuff. You know, when you're younger, you just fucking tapes, you just watch all the time. I had ransom on tape, and I must have watched that about four hundred times. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I watched Payback. Ter- terrified about being left. That's why I never left the house. I mean, <laughs> but I think I had uh, Lethal Weapon four and Payback around the same time. Oh my. Or something. What I just, a double just them. <laughs> no wonder why you got on the phones. <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, uh, no so. I think it's annoying, but the remake kind of fucked up my my enjoyment of it. it. One thing, it's something that I absolutely love by Point Blank, and I actually talked about it a few weeks back. What do you think of the Edlin technique? Because Soderbergh admits that he has ripped off that Edlin technique throughout mm. his career. He done it in the Lamey, and he's done it quite a uh, bit in uh, like you know some of the Ocean's films and uh, all that. But it's going back and showing you what you've seen already, but from a different angle. But then cross cutting uh, it with what's happening there and then. Aye. Uh, it's, and it's, I know it's, it's it, it, it gives, with memory and stuff like aye, that. Oh, oh definitely. Aye. It's all about aye. memory. And it, it, it kind of gives it, I think, like a dreamlike spun. Because was, they're saying about Walker and it. 
and it's a theory and it's kind of like a well accepted theory that and it's it's one of those ones that you've heard this so many times like in the whole text everything but that's actually walker's dying dream because they kind of allude to the fact that when you first see walker after getting fucking done in and left her dead Alcatraz, mm. he's on the boat and you hear the announcer saying that how it's impossible to escape Alcatraz, and it's almost like they're kind of subtly alluding to the fact that well how the fuck did he get off there you know what i mean and he's like a force of nature more than anything you know what i mean uh, i mean I think uh, the, the editing, the shooting was definitely what what kept me watching because as the story, as I said, I've already seen it in another film, mm. but it was uh, there's a couple of brilliant scenes where where the wife and stuff like that there and all, and then you don't know if that was real or I yep. mean, you know she's dead, but you don't know when the next period of time is then, and yep. it's no as you say, you know that the editing's definitely it's really fucking interesting. There's like, just some really beautiful but simple shots in there too. The Kennedy's dad, that dreamlike thing, like you know the one where. She's standing outside in the the phone. No, sorry, he's standing outside in the phone booth, and she's going up in the lift up that top floor and all uh, that. Crack. And it kind of moves with him and looks down at him. Uh, it's fucking classical. unbelievable. But I mean, you look at it because you you actually talked about it, you know, a good while back on the podcast. Like, but we always talk about underrated directors. You know, like uh, we always talk about fucking his name's completely left me now that I'm saying that Richard Donner we always talk about Richard Donner and then I've talked about Hal Ashby a couple of times about you know these di- directors who aren't really that appreciated or that uh, well known but John Berman Berman's you know what I mean amazing, eh? he's done uh, Deliverance, Deliverance. Yeah. he obviously now the reason that his career kind of shit itself about it is because unfortunately he had the most fortunate choosing The Exorcist 2 The Heretic and uh, that was a, a piece of shit like but I mean or not you got Point Blank you got Point Blank you've got Deliverance You've got, uh, what, jeez, what do you call the one that's actually now a cult classic, but it's more known for Sean Connery it's essentially Connery being dressed in a big red nappy, Zardong or something like that there. Starts with a Z. And it's like, got a big magnum and a big aye. fucking red set on eggs. Aye, because I sent you a picture one night being off a whole sausage on here. <laughs> <laughs> but he actually has a, a really good back catalogue. Plus he loves an Ireland. Mm. Well, in these 80s now, look, but he loves down south somewhere. He's definitely going to get a fucking carry away. <laughs> Chat them about his films. Get him on the cast. Uh. <laughs> sure he would do it. What a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but any other thoughts on Point Blanc? Um, I think it's... It's a fairly ADB film. Like, there's not great context to be taken out of it and stuff oh, like right there but uh, like narrative wise it's as simple as it comes like it's your standard revenge thriller, like, but it's just uh, elevated because it's of made the very well and all, but director sort of directorial choices context wise and stuff like that there it's not so usually when I like films that are uh, dead simple but they're they're setting as for some reason or you've got some political reason or why did they set it in the deep south or something like that there yeah. why did they say, you know like for example, Uber Lover Out Thou, how many fucking adaptations has there been of Homer's Odyssey? And I was like, oh, fuck, another one. And I didn't watch it for ages. But obviously that has a context because the whole metaphor that even Joyce took from is that uh, man's journey home, it's like the standard yeah. thing that you have as a human being to go through your day and get home to yeah. your family. And uh, they said it in the Deep South because it was three inequality and black people didn't yep. have the same rights as white and all this kind of thing and all. And there was sort of like a bigger context to be set there and they used it for obviously sat there and it. But we point blank. Okay, I did like it and enjoyable, but I, I don't know if I'll be going back there to you, honestly. Nah. No. I just really liked a lot of the techniques and I got something that's always stuck on me, but you're exactly right. I think it is a very simple film, you know what I mean? Uh, I mean, like, it's, it's one of those sort of fucking dime store novels that's. It's just going from A to B, you know, will he get his revenge? And essentially, mm. it's just a revenge thriller. But uh, 
I love it. I mean, it was very influential to me in the sort of stuff that I want to do. Aye. No, I mean, I no, I no, I'm completely with you on the edit and stuff and all and the Soderberg stuff and all that there. But uh, aye. Um, maybe we'll tell you about something I did. Like, uh, I watched that Bridge Over the River Kwai. Oh, that's right. They were talking aye, about that during the week. Fuck, I one of the best films I've seen in a long time. You kind of just go, where the fuck has this? It's probably just money reasons, really. Yeah. Like, but this that is golden era cinema where things are built you have 300 extras and then that's just that's how the f- fucking things are made proper shit say aye and it's like it's a state of filmmaking you just don't you know you see 300 people running across a battlefield or something like in Dr. Zhivago it's another David Lean film and uh, you go right top of days nowadays about six metres in, everything past that six metre point would be made by computers. But now, you know, back then it was just fucking extras yeah. and the fucking snow and running. And it's just a great film. And, and I think the thing about the River Kwai was interesting is that it's showing you kind of every side of, of a soldier. Yeah. There's the one who kind of does it uh, because he thinks it's an easy lifestyle, but then he gets caught up in under the, the real essence of being a soldier. There's one soldier that is almost too by the rules, played by Alec Guinness. They see, like, he, he sticks to the etiquette of, you know, rules of engagement stuff too much to the point that it actually does detriment. Yep. There's the extremist, which is the... Uh, I can't remember the actor's name. Uh, the, 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 ca- the captain. Fuck. Well, there's two extremists. There's, there's the guy that runs the camp where the British soldiers are kept, and then there's... The, the British extremist who's an explosion expert and stuff like this here but and then it shows you the young soldier too and all and I, but it's it, it's interesting seeing how all four of those kind of collide and and the story that comes out of it because I thought it was just going to be like Dan Busters or, or, or you know, Guns and Avron or something like that force, was a forced hand in Avron the and Ford one and all that there and uh, I just thought it was going to be something like that but it's actually there's a lot more uh, psychology and philosophy going on in it about war and it's a, a seriously interesting film it's a proper you know sit down sit back even in the afternoon great war film I think you're exactly right what you're saying because not only does it work as a great war film a war film but it's there's definitely there's a war no real, film there's no war really proper it. scenes like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's set during a war and it's, it's about a war but definitely about the exploration of what war can, can do to someone's psyche and there was a film that I actually talked about a few weeks back and um, which is completely unrelated, but it was uh, Give Us Your Remains of the Day with Anthony Hopkins, oh, Emma Thompson. But that, for me, is a deconstruction of the stuff up or lip and stuff like that. And I think Alec Guinness's character, that's the exact oh, yeah. same, that deconstruction of stuff up or lip and, you know, doing stuff because you're duty, but, like, you sit to your yeah. detriment. And, like, how even when he's, you know, behind enemy lines and stuff like that, he's still that committed. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's 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 incredible to watch. Alec Guinness as well just sells it so fucking well. Mm. Like, but it just shows what sort of psychosis or obsessive sort of psychosis war can bring on Aye. about you know doing your duty and how it affects you really Aye. and you have to you have to think again I, I always think we a film like that and when a character's that engaging what happens after you know that the credits stop rolling what happens when you know a character like that goes back home they're not going to be the same like you know what I mean Aye. And, but, it, and it's like fucking I think the that the main thing is, is that it's it's taken one point each character represents a different point, but it's but it's exploring them until they all come apart at the seams. Yeah, and it's exploring the ironies and the the contradictions and all that there and all. And it 
I mean, the same thing happens with Chicago too, and he just he just has. And the great thing about the length of all his sorts of films is he he really has the length and the time to not rush it and really explore some really sophisticated character work. It's brilliantly. I think as well that he probably got free reign because he was David Lean, and I mean, like he was constantly just pumping out classics because. He has to be one of the biggest purveyors of just... Having his film slapped. Massive class. I, I, I don't really think so. you got Lawrence Arabia, you got Dr. Zhivago, you've got Bridge of the River Kwai. Brief Encounter. You know what I mean? Brief Encounter, which is... Uh, Brief Encounter is a lot earlier, and it's a lot more small I, scale, I, but it's still, you know, phenomenal. And again, I mean, we're just talking about... Except the ending, though, just... Ah, uh, no. As well, come on. I, I know. If, if, I think that's more just they do with a sort of... Of its time, of its time, I you know, I mean, because there would have been a fucking uproar if they actually would have got the guy, like, you know, exactly. Because all his endings seem to be kind of cynical endings, but brief encounter, uh, and and 30 seconds just turns into all love it over and you're all that doesn't make any fucking sense whether it's a film at all. I especially like, I mean, obviously, spoilers for brief encounter, but when she goes back to the house and kind of mutts at the husband, the husband's, you know, I've known all along, but I still love you, and all that. They're cracking the big swirling music comes on, and everything's grand. You be fucking, (laughs) she'd be in that fucking backyard on the fucking patio, (laughs) 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 fucking shoveling a bag of (laughs) lounges, bury a dog over them, apparently. They throw off the scent. There you go. Ah. <laughs> I'm not metal. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have to kill the dog. <laughs> yeah, well, fuck. I think you've really come at it. You no. know what I mean? The dog would be the easy job, like, or would it? Too heartbreaking. It will be. I know. Dogs never cheated on you, like. <laughs> but uh, just in saying that, too, about Brief Encounter, in uh, sort of comparison with Bridge of the River Kwai and that sort of in-depth sort of examination of the psyche, I think for its time concerned it was made in 1945, 1946. That sort of investigation on the just normal people's minds who are, you know, thinking about committing adultery because, you know, uh, even showing adultery on screen back then was a big fucking no-no. Uh, so not only showing it, but then actually kind of sympathising with these I, people. Like, I, I couldn't... Like, I remember flicking over it one day. I was what the fuck's is here? No, and I, it's a film I always met to watch and then it's happening way on, but I just... I couldn't believe how, how you know, sophisticated they were yeah. dealing with it as well. As well as and how, how modern a sort of spin they put in it. And how they, they, again, they used really interesting cinematography to ex- ex- explain the, the paranoia and the stress oh, and all. It's a gorgeous looking film it's too. It's like noirish, uh, like psychologies of like a detective but used for the paranoia of a relationship. Aye, exactly. It's That's brilliant. exactly what it is. It's aye. precisely right. And I mean, I just like the fact that they don't kind of hold these people to account and be oh how dare they even think about committing adultery or how mm. dare they kind of you know it's it's seedy and it's ungodly and stuff like that they look at it and say you know what this happens to people and people you know are instinctual beings and it can very easily happen where you just meet somebody in the street and you may find them more attractive than your fucking spouse at home mm. and mm. It, it does show the hardship that they kind of go through and showing that stuff up or up and, and trying to kind of resist each other mm. which is kind of why it's heartbreaking at the end when they again spoiler uh, when they don't get together and the, the only kind of slight thing that sort of offsets a funny bit is like we were saying I mean how you kind of is that crowbar unhappy and will they all go back to their spouses and they're all happy forever you do after wonder, like, like you do wonder like I don't know there's lots of films where you just go director definitely had an Eden but he was told to do the other one ah why 100% <laughs> Dark Knight Rises for example Batman's dead oh why Batman is dead <laughs> no one killed him dead <laughs> If I ever meet Nolan, I'll be all, I know he's dead. I guarantee as, as well. That's like, just Alfred going through dementia uh, or something. I, I, <laughs> I guarantee too, you fucking see him, they shoot that scene. I must have broke Nolan's heart type. <laughs> I, just that they come and just be all, he's dead. I know he's dead. <laughs> see ya, Tucker's. 
Yeah, it's just Chris Nolan. <laughs> I, after the fucking credits roll, it's Chris Nolan sitting, staring on the camera. He's fucking dead. I killed him, right? Aye. He did. I was just Christian Bale having lunch, and they just whacked the camera <laughs> on him. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. iPhone 4 does. <laughs> just get it. Get it. Yeah, 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 we yeah, got yeah. it there. You got it on frame, eh? What's a lighting like? Then he fucking has no Christopher, what are you doing? I know. <laughs> Me and you are done professionally, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get when you work with fucking actors. <laughs> Couldn't have sound like more of a ball bag in that run tie, but in fairness, he apologised. You know what I mean? In fairness, he was working on Terminators. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? I don't think Salvation's that bad. I know. I, I don't, it gets I don't a lot of like. It's just about. It's just about. It's, it's, it's nuts and bolts. I mean, there's none on there that's very surprising. Like you were saying already about Point Blank, it's an ADB film, but it looks great. It's still exciting enough. I think Bale's pretty good yeah, as it's, John it's Connor. Well, it's one of my favourite directors as well, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but I actually think that, I actually think that uh, Christian Bale makes the best John Connor out of all the fucking incarnations team. Because yeah. it's it's that that's the film where you see John Connor, John Connor, John Connor and John Connor. That's the, that's the film where you see John Connor fucking, you know, do his thing the most because you always hear about oh John Connor's this amazing warrior oh he kind of yeah. leads the people against Skynet but that's the film where you actually see him do it as opposed to being a ludity uh, you know what I mean as opposed to fucking Jason Clark. oh Jesus Christ Jason Clark going on like Neil Diamond just like so unbelievably over the top have you seen uh, Genesis no uh, Jason Clark plays uh, John Connor like a panto film it's that's actually so stupid it's bad it's just it <laughs> And you know what kind of breaks my heart is that I love Jason Clark as an actor, and I know for a fact that there was actually a discussion recently that after Genesis flopped and he kind of took a lot of flack for it, and after Everest, which is actually a fucking really good film, doesn't do the box office that they expected, his chances now of being a leading man are fucking shot like. Well, he still he still has the the apes films. The apes, uh, or I is suppose. he in the third one? I'm not sure, but I mean, like, he, he wasn't really a leading man. That's more like a sort of ensemble thing, really. Ah, well, he was the lead human. Yeah, well, well, in the second one, I was the lead human. And they were trying to push Andy Serkis as best supporting actor, so technically he's the lead. <laughs> <laughs> he was creating Zero Dark Thirty as well. Aye, as the fucking the torture. There's one line out there, and it just it just chills you because it's not it's not like what they usually do in Hollywood, and it's just like, uh, oh, I'm gonna make you experience pain that you've never fucking experienced. No, that's a line they would usually use, but he comes on there goes, "I'm gonna tell you what, man, I'm bad fucking news." <laughs> <laughs> Oh fuck! I he bad. <laughs> oh, he bad. He's all. He's all. He's all. You, you want to tell me the information or whatever? And he says, he says, you don't want to get get under with me. Me, he's on bad fucking news. Like, I think it's really like, honest about it's it. It's how casual and honest is. I. That's why it's fucking off his head. <laughs> uh, he's definitely going for that drill first thing. Like. Uh, I don't want to get the old card, best can't. <laughs> um. This week I watched Captain America: Civil War. Uh, Yay. <laughs> you know, we were talking about war films you go into another well, war film. <laughs> definitely better than Bridge of the Rock Island deaths there's, what, there's, a, there's at least four bridges in this one I have yeah. actually heard a lot of good reports I didn't know you know how it was going to turn out but anyway I'll let you kick on it that's uh, pretty good <laughs> <laughs> no it's be, it was a big kind of like everybody kind of seemed to be worried because there's so many people on it and like people are calling it Avengers two point five and all's here kind of crack. Yeah. But it's it's really it's really signed to the directors that they manage just to balance everything really, really well. And it it's a proper Captain America film. It's not an Avengers film. Like Cap is the focus of it and it all kinda it all surrounds his decisions and what he chooses to believe in and all that kind of stuff. So even the fact that 
you know, Iron Man, especially Iron Man, but all these other characters aren't. They don't really join him out now. No, he can still see that he's the hey, focus. It, it it makes sense why it's a Captain America film rather than an Avengers film. Tell us this. I'm not sure because I'm obviously not up in the whole uh, Marvel Universe thing, but is this film essentially just showing why Captain America is, you know, siding on that side of the Civil War? Are they going to do an Iron Man film where they can explain why he's on his side? Or is that no, kind of just covered now? It's, 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 all, it's all pretty much wrapped up in this. Well, not really. Like, it's they're still kind of splintered towards it. Mm, splutters. <laughs> but, no, the, the general gist of, of the story is... Cap is running the Avengers. They're going about doing their avenging, but then an incident happens where there's some like collateral collateral damage. People die and stuff. So then the government get involved and say, and Tony Stark's on their side because he's kind of feeling guilty about people dying and stuff. So he's all we need to be put in check. So the government have sorted out this thing with like 117 countries that the United Nations will be in charge of the Avengers. So they tell them where they go and what they yeah. do and they don't get to choose themselves so captain america doesn't want to give up that power and he says the safest hands are still our own and all here kind of crap. so that's just the two sides of it but then bucky aka the wick the, the wiki soldier the winter soldier he gets he gets involved because obviously he's done some bad things and cap's trying to protect them but then tony stark wants to bring him in because he's on the government side and yeah so that's pretty much wh- where the whole conflict comes from. But it's just, it's comparing it to the song like Batman vs. Superman, which they're they're ultimately going to get compared to because it's just two superheroes going up against each other. With that air, it feels like they were rushing on it. They're just trying to basically kickstart their universe and say, okay, two big superheroes, go fight. But with this here, it feels like, it feels like it's been earned because you've had so many films before and I think this is the whole shared cinematic universe really coming and they play and you already have so much backstory for all these characters you understand their relationships without it having to be explained to you over and over again yep. and it's it just I it feels like that this is what would happen given what's happened previously and it feels really organic and it feels true rather than they're just forcing this conflict you know what i mean yeah. mm-hmm. so it it's it just it feels like that's actually what would happen mm. rather than batman superman they just fight just they fight you know yeah mm. and you can throw as, as much flack as you want that you know superhero films and stuff like that but i do think that that's one thing that marvel have done very very well is making it feel organic and not ramming relationships or exposition yeah. in people's throats you know, and I, I mean they have they have done it, but it's but, not. But sometimes not it's necessary, bad. especially when you're dealing with a cast of characters as big as that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's so much shit happening. I mean, well, the one thing. I mean, the thing that I've heard so far. Obviously, I'm going to ask you this because I haven't seen it, and I don't really want to comment on it. But uh, I've heard a couple of people who are kind of under the Marvel Cinematic Universe saying that, considering there's so many characters on it, like the Avengers, they do a cracking job of making it actually quite balanced. Is that? I know definitely because what I was going to say is. Because there's so many people in it that you know, like people are worried, like, oh, how are they going to like give enough screen time to everybody and all this here? But if you think about just a standard film, there's 10, 20 people in a film. Yeah. It's just you happen to know all these people. So yeah. if some if something needs to be done, it's like, oh, it's that agent from Captain America Winter Soldier. You know what I mean? like, <laughs> it's just, it makes sense because they're there anyway. So why not have them in it? Do you know what I mean? Is Crossbones in this one? 
Crossbones is in this one, mm. and I think he has the best line in the film. He's actually because uh, when I was growing up and I was a big comic book fan and stuff like that, I was never really on the Captain America that much, but I always really like Crossbones. And I actually Frank really, Rillo. I really like the actor Frank Rillo too because he seems to be a lip bloomer. He's kind of knocked about Hollywood for years doing wee butt parts and stuff like yeah. that. In the past couple of years, we the Purge Anarchy, which isn't that bad, and uh, Winter Soldier, and now this, and there's a couple of other films. He was in the Fighter as well. It seems like he's he's starting to find his feet because he's like fucking fifty two years old. But he looks incredible for fifty two. He's an absolute animal. Like, looks, but, a, uh, looks a bit worse for wearing this. To be fair, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he's he's in it at the very beginning. But he has the best line. He's like fighting with Cap. <laughs> he says to him, "This is." <laughs> This is because you dropped a building on my face. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what happened to him in Winter Soldier. Get the Oscars out. <laughs> so good, though. This is why you dropped a building on my face. Oh, this is because you dropped a building. If only we could write that strongly. <laughs> but that is what happened. No, 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 no. I like that. No, I know, but then I'm thinking, it's like, how did he actually survive? A building fell on his face. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even his whole body, just his face. <laughs> it's all made up, Michael. <laughs> but, uh,. Yeah, he's really good at And then, obviously, you have the new characters in. You have Black Panther, played by Chadwick Boseman. I was a massive Black Panther fan. He's really not, good not the, at Not it. the comic book, just really supported the... <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? he, he's he's really good at it. He, I really loved his voice. Because he's... It's, what do you call his country again? Wakanda? Mm. It's like the made-up African yeah. country. But he has a, he's a really good voice. And, and even when he's doing the Black... When he's, when he's in the Black Panther mask and all in... It gets a bit deeper. It's like Bane esque, but kind of in a good way. It's really deep and it's pretty good. Can I Yoda? Yoda. Yoda meets Bane. Yoda. Yane. But he he's really good on it, and it's it's a good kind of origin, not origin for him because you know him now, and now he's going to get his own film, obviously. But. Uh, Spider-Man I obviously was, is on it as well. I've heard a lot of people shit themselves about Spider-Man's. It's essentially a cameo, isn't it? No, he's he's. It. I would equate it to uh, Quicksilver in Days of Future Past. He has a whole wee sequence. Oh, that's cool. Well, so your, your, your first thoughts on the new Spider-Man? He's he, he's really good. He's really funny. See, that's that's one thing I think that they failed on with the previous Spider-Mans. I think they failed on it with Andrew Garfield. They kind of nailed it with Tobey Maguire for a while, but. Then they focused on making him a lot darker, especially in the third one, which we won't talk about. But yeah. Spider Man actually is supposed to be like just as funny as Deadpool, but like obviously not yeah. rooted. You know what I mean? He's supposed to be quipping and stuff like that, and he's supposed to have all these jokes. And they tried to do it with Andrew Garfield in the first one of the reboot, yeah. and he didn't come off as funny. He just came off as a smarmy bastard. I and thought, I, I, me like personally, him. I thought that it's like my only weakness, tiny knives. See, that that was <laughs> the only time I laughed. But I, I know that's that's probably the funniest bit where he is quipping and all that. But uh, yeah, this one, he's so young. He looks about 12. Like, he's actually so young. What do you call the actor again? We, we uh, Tom Holland. Tom Holland. He's he's really young looking, but obviously that's what you want from Spider-Man because I think they said they're planning on keeping him in high school for like three films. Mm. That'll be classic because I think that's, and we've discussed that before too, I think that's the most interesting yeah. thing about Spider-Man, that duality between mm. being and be- at high and school because and he, up. And-, and because he looks so young, you have Marissa Tomei as Aunt May. Jesus, <laughs> Marissa Tomei is still really hot. Like <laughs> I know, it's like they, they make that like uh, Tony Stark makes that joke. He's like, oh, I'm just going to go talk to your strangely attractive fans. <laughs> but oh, so she's in it? Oh yeah, she's in it. Yeah, because yeah, they might just squeeze a shitload on it. Mm. I know, like everyone's in it. Like name somebody, they're in it. <laughs> mm. But uh, you you could pick apart like so. 
why do they need to go get Spider-Man at this yeah. point? Get it? But you, you could say that about Ant-Man as well, because they go get Ant-Man at a certain is point. Is Ant-Man on too? I Ant-Man. Paul Rudd's on as well. Now. Jesus I've Christ. I've seen the sequence. I was watching Graham Norton on it and seen the... When he first meets Cap. I, when he first meets Cap, he's like, oh my God, Captain America. <laughs> he's really excited. <laughs> yeah. Paul Rudd was saying he was actually like that in real life. He just... He walked on set. And he was just like, because <laughs> 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 he just it was mental. And he, when Captain America, it was like fucking uh, somebody grabbed the shield because they went to take a picture or something. And then fucking Paul Rubb was like, "Okay, have we go with the shield?" <laughs> 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 but I like, I everybody's in there. Hawkeye's in there. Black Widow. I'd, from this film as well, I it made me just it cemented that I really like Jeremy Renner in the Avengers. Because, like, everybody kind of shits on him, like, oh, Hawkeye's about shit, or he's, like, in the background yeah, and all. Remember. But he actually, I think he actually has, he's found his place in this, that he is the background guy, but he, he, because he's part of the original Avengers, and he knows all the main characters so well, that he can be the guy that does, that gives the, the big talk, and says, yeah. like, you're wrong, wise up, and all that. <laughs> like, he obviously doesn't say it. it's written better than that, actually. But I, I, I like the one. Who says he's on Tony's side, don't they? No, he's on Cap's side. Right. But I, I just think he is the emotional connection to everyone, although he's still kind of in the background, that he can come in and give the hard talk. Like, even in Age of Ultron, they kind of they have that sequence where they go to his farm and just everybody can take a break and it's all down to Hawkeye. Like, like he can take care of everybody. I really like yeah. that. I really like that sequence in uh, Age of Ultron because he got a lot of flack after the first Avengers and the fact that, you know, he's fighting me like this huge fucking green monster and he's fighting me essentially a god and then he's just this guy who's good at fucking archery, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he's like, you kind of think to yourself, oh, well, what's his purpose? What's his necessity? But I like that in Age of Ultron, they kind of try to make it seem that he's the heart of the group, you know what I mean? Mm. And he's got some more to offer, you know, he's there to kind of fucking put a hand on everybody's shoulder or look hey, after them and shit he's, like he's, ne- he's nearly kind of like taken over from like Agent Coulson in yeah. the first Avengers like he can kind of unite them all yeah also is so are like fucking Hulk and Thor on there too or no I thought uh, because the, Hulk's in the next Thor film and they actually make a thing of a reason why the Avengers need to be put on check as well is like you have a god and a monster run about and you don't know where they are you know yeah. I mean? they, they say like where's hulk and thor because you know I, mean? I mean technically as well and I, I like that because they've always looked at it in the sort of well as realistic as you can be for you know like a superhero film but they've always stressed the fact that if it came down to thor and hulk are by far the most powerful yeah by far the most powerful if, if it and i think that's why they're kind of teaming them up and keeping them away from it Aye. because they could fucking change Aye. the fucking game plan no Probably matter what they're fucking bit in the no each other on the first one as well because <laughs> 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 that like that would be a problem people would say about the justice league is that pretty much they're all gods apart from batman apart from batman and like how you like, what do you put up against that then when you have all these all-powerful beings? Like, what can match that, you know what I mean? Batman's loadable. It's all matter. That's, like. <laughs> that's the weird thing. Batman mummy. does that's always... That's what you put up against. It's the same as well, sure. I mean, and they kind of make that joke. Uh, I think it's in the first Avengers. It's the fact that Captain America is, you know, kind of biologically enhanced and then you've got the fact you know Thor's a god the Hulk's biologically enhanced by whatever the gamma rays or whatever but Batman he's really minted and you know he's got all this technology and stuff like that but Tony Stark's the same Tony Stark is one of the few of the Avengers probably bar Hawkeye and what Black, do you call Widow. Black Widow that doesn't have any actual superpowers it's mm-hmm. just he's minted and he made a really fucking class suit that essentially gives him a superpower you know yeah. what I mean but uh, he's a genius as well ah uh, he's genius I mean that's that's 
Dozy, he's just rich. Nice <laughs> 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 sample, like never done anyway himself. Fucking sample. <laughs> Although in saying about <laughs> Hulk and Thor's like the only gods, that, like Vision now is pretty much godlike. Is Vision on as well? Vision's in there. Vision's quite interesting because uh, I think it's a departure from the comics in a way, but I just really like Paul Bentley. I just think Paul mm. Bentley should do more work. I just really like him. I'm not a big fan, but I know people that are big Paul Bentley fans. See, I really like Paul Bentley. The only thing I know too, though, is that because Vision is essentially just flawless, he's almost like in Superman territory. You know what I mean? I, well, you see, there's a sequence in that, and that you actually see a bit of it in the trailer as well, where Scarlet Witch can take him down, though, because of her powers. Yeah, man. Because uh, yeah, there's actually a wee bit in the tra- in one of the traders where you see him kind of fall on his knees and Scarlet Witch doing her whole the power of true beauty. Oh, yeah. Scarlet Witch! Sorry, I'm thinking of fucking Black Widow. Oh no! <laughs> as well as a what power she is? <laughs> I mean, except being cracker looking. <laughs> Two pastels, just. <laughs> That's a thing that always looks really daft. I was thinking that fight scene in New York. Everybody's bitting around and all, and then uh, she's just there with two pistols. Uh, everybody's like wrecking things. She just has two wee pistols. You're all, yeah, it's pushed on them. Like the the big three sixty shot, and I she's just so fucking. Right. <laughs> we pushy toy gun. Oh, Hawkeye's just there with a bow. Like. Uh, at least it visually looks a bit better. Like uh, they're showing graceful, but a bow. Have exclu- explosives now and later, something like it doesn't. Have, I know it does have explosives. A few of them do have explosives. Yeah, he has all wee different ones. <laughs> It's always different, bows sort of. He never, he never, he never fucking bugs. runs we, out of bows, though. We bow bucks. <laughs> no, he runs out of bows. Yeah, in the Avengers. Second one, down, get down. Just pull her down. I just pull her. Yeah. So, uh, Captain America: Civil War. It's. It's really good. It's really well balanced. It's not, it's a Captain America film. Everyone's great in it. There's some. There's really great action in it. There's like a the big fight which you see in the trailers as well. When they're you see them all run towards each other. That takes place in an airport. And it's, it's in a, Germany, isn't it? Berlin. Uh, I'm not Was sure it if it's Tegel or Schönefeld. Not Schönefeld. That's pretty small. I'm not it's... sure if it's in Berlin, the airport, but but they are in Berlin at one point. They're all over the place. There's. <laughs> <laughs> they they go everywhere, <laughs> but uh, it's it's a really great sequence, and w- w- it's once again like it's really well balanced. Like you see everybody kind of do their thing, and you're never lost in the action. Like you you know where you are at all times. Couple more things. <laughs> what the fuck is Siggy doing? Uh, fucking I've said there. Sort of get a hair in the back too. Seems it. There's. <laughs> Captain America can run really well. Him and Winter Soldier have, fair, have their running down to a T. He's a fair sprinter. There's everything's like parallel. It's really all straight and military. It's very nice to watch. I just watched two hours up. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, teaching the rocket, I watch one though. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I think as I seen Bradley Cooper or maybe it was Will Smith on a talk show, and they were talking about they they had a learn how to movie run. Because you just run normally, you just look like you're flailing about, and like I think Bradley Cooper said, like for Silver Linings Playbook, he had to learn how to run so it doesn't look mental, basically. Because oh, <laughs> some people look like shit when they run. Uh, I mean, like I get, I have a shit run. I look like an absolute fucking. Uh, a lot dick. of people look like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> I look like John McLean. <laughs> I, <do, yeah. laughs> I, I just, I just don't run. So. I look like John McLean. <laughs> a serious hangover. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen you run, Mickey. Ever in my life. 
No, can't imagine you being a graceful runner. The, no, the, you see me run that one time and you started pissing yourself laughing. What was this? I remember walking over to Geo's and I dropped a roll of duct tape and I had to run after it. I <laughs> <laughs> hey, look like that guy. <laughs> you didn't even help me get the roll of duct tape. You were just laughing at me. What the fuck? <laughs> so what, what? Explain the movie, Ron. Like what? What exactly do you have to do? It's it's all, it needs to be all very parallel and all very tight. So it's all. Like there's no flaying about that you're kicking your legs out or anything. It just all needs to be very streamlined. Like Jason Bourne's probably a good example. Yeah. Uh, or even or Dan- it just Daniel, as well. Daniel Craig yeah. in that fucking sequence in Skyfall. It's a pretty, pretty fucking neat looking run. Yeah. He's got a nail down. Yeah. Gotta, do, gotta do, you think, tight. do you think they've got a guy for those sort of fucking films who teaches them how to action uh, run? Definitely. There definitely <laughs> is a guy. Like, let me tell you somewhere fucking must not trick on here. Hey? <laughs> we should be on that sort of shit there teaching people how to run. Uh, ourselves I, 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 I teach boys how to shake hands. <laughs> I'm getting on day how they how they sip whiskey. It's it's a it's a fine art though. I do you think there's like these wee kind of sub jobs that you know you, uh, you can only fucking get a job if like a, uh, there's a there's a like a, a a new popularity of that genre. So uh, do you think there's a boy out there who can fucking teach Western boys how to sip uh, whiskeys and all? Look hard, what's doing it? I was. one day I was teaching. Uh, Sipping it, like, oh fuck, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to teach Mike Michael Fastbender how to how to sip whiskey one day, and he was like, "I here, just all fucking." That's <laughs> all, right, Mike? For a start, you sound like a fucking stoke. <laughs> <laughs> Second, it's not a pint of fucking whiskey. No, I know they're a pint of fucking Guinness. Like, I know you're in the Guinness, I'm not there. <laughs> What's he in the Guinness at? I should tell you, he became famous. You know, the one where he swims across the fucking Atlantic and he pops into the pub in New York and he's all, I'm sorry. Oh, that's shit, him, that's him. <laughs> It'd be better if he fucking swam right across. There's a hell of a fastbender there as well. <laughs> 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 but do you know what? It must be easy to swim from because the fucking cock's that big. Like, he has a third arm, you know what I mean? Just to kind of operate him all the way across. Oh, that, I already, I already, that's I, how he, he steers. Just, that's his fucking <laughs> rudder. <laughs> that's his fucking uh, it's his I, radar. I, I, I heard he backstroops and just hang a big fucking sail off it, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> fucking hangs a tricolor off it. <laughs> uh, he just takes a wee sleep and hangs it off it, doesn't he? <laughs> no. What you don't know is that that's actually Fastbender's first time in America when he's trying to make a big swims on the fucking Hudson Bay right on the New York Harbour goes on these all I'm sorry I can't do accents <laughs> <laughs> just getting that out there early, like, you know what I mean if you want to try and make me a superstar <laughs> final thing on Civil War is there's a bit in it right near the beginning where the they de-age Tony Stark, so they make him about like eighteen or twenty years on, and it actually looks fucking amazing. Really? Why do, why do they do that? It's it's a whole sequence of him talking to his dad, basically. Right. Because so uh, fucking is, is what mind? do you call your boy from? Stamina Cooper on this is these... no from Mad Men, John Slattery. Oh, yeah. oh is, he, is he the older one? Uh, he's, actually, he's, he's still he's the older the, one. He's the older John Slattery, Stark. No, no, they, they de-age his face so he looks about 20. Right. Why? And does it actually look like Robert Downey Jr. It, when he was it, that age? It's it's like a flashback in this, in this ah. thing. They're, they're not de-aging in the film. <laughs> it's, it's like a shot. They make it Robert Downey Jr. look like he did when he was 20. Right, so it's... it's Why are you not getting about this? <laughs> <laughs> um, probably your terrible command of the English language. Uh, no, <laughs> no I'm so, have you Have you seen Captain America Winter Soldier? Right, just just no, as, just as a mess. When he's when he's eighteen, so that his dad's still alive. Is that? Aye, it's a flashback to okay. him having a memory. But I thought dad. I thought we were doing like a Wolverine thing or something. But no, so it's just 
Right, okay, that's fine. And so Robert Downey Jr. actually looks like he would have done when he was like 20 or whatever. Uh, do you mind in Winter Soldier where they they age Peggy Carter so she looks 19? Mm-hmm. It's that same technology but in reverse. What did you think about that in Winter Soldier? I think sometimes it looked good but then other times you could see the seams. and. Uh, I, th- I thought sometimes it, it looked a bit bogging. Like, I think it's it's like that, that sort of, it's that sort of thing that oh, this is what a really, really old person looks like. But, like, I've never seen an old person look like that before. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I mean, I've never seen an old well, person. Well, she's supposed to be, like, 90 <laughs> or something. But I've never seen even someone in their 90s look that old. <laughs> I mean, like, I, mean I, think, I think that's the sort of... It's the sort of idea that people have. It's like, oh, when you're 90, you look like that. But you don't. Nobody uh, looks that old. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I mean, she looked about fucking 2,000. Uh, <laughs> but... Yeah, you don't look like you're hanging together like a dog's ball <laughs> <laughs> But obviously, the technology has advanced since then, and it's actually seamless. Like, there's a couple of wee bits where you're kind because I was trying to look like, where the, how the fuck are they doing this kind of thing? But there's a couple of wee bits where it might look, you're kind of getting near the, like, Uncanny Valley kind of territory. Yeah. But it looks amazing. I was so impressed. It just looked, they, they could just do young Robert Downey Jr. films now. Like, it's, it's insane how good it looked like. See, it's technology's coming back, man. Technology's coming back. What a fucking nonsense phrase. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Technology's getting better is what I meant to say. Technology's coming back. I, we sacked it there for 10 I, years. I, we let go there for a while. <laughs> oh, it's like... Do you not realise the past 20 years been nothing but pride to fix it? Mind, <laughs> mind and Ant-Man as well. They <laughs> technology's coming back. Mind and Ant-Man as well. They de-aged Michael Douglas. That was really good. That was good. Aye, it's even better than that. Yeah. De-aged... Uh, uh, just say me look younger. D age is good, but it just sounds strange. I think that's what three here. D age. It makes you sound like D-age. they can't age. <laughs> no, they oh, okay. They unage so, them. Unage them, or reverse age them, because D age or unage them sounds like they're immortal or something. No, it doesn't. <laughs> sounds like they don't have the ability to age. <laughs> no, it sounds like they're taking away the age. <laughs> taking away. All right, doesn't matter. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you're fucking de-aged. <laughs> you know it, I mean? so, it sounds like an eighties fucking. Aye. No, but not, not, so, not, 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 no, no, no. Say no, if no, no, we're saying that that you're fucking de-cocked. <laughs> I would have taken his cock off him. Yeah, and he doesn't have a cock anymore. Aye, and they've taken age off him, so they've de-aged they've him. Just age. <laughs> 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 What are you not getting about this? I know, I'm getting it. I'm, uh, uh, that's, that's right, tomorrow. You're just saying DH isn't the proper word. I I, it just sounds mad, tomorrow. <laughs> it doesn't sound mad. Like, what? what's your point in this, Shampoo? I don't know. I, I, I kind of get, get both sides of the argument. How's that fence finish? Up your fucking hole. Feels good, man. Feels <laughs> <laughs> <was> good, man. <laughs> Splintered up your hole, my fence. <laughs> just hey. Just being diplomatic, that's all. Yeah. Don't want fights in the tent. You know diplomatic community. Um, <laughs> all right, what did you watch, Sean? Um, it was actually something that Heron watched as well. I rewatched the way, way back. Uh, I think about it. I don't know. I'm not quite sure, but I think I might actually. Oh, re- Jim Rash makes a wee cameo in Civil War, though. So. Does he? Aye. Lovely stuff. That's community callback. Well, do you know also that uh, you obviously know that Jim Rash directed the way, way back as well? <laughs> Oh, did he direct? I thought he, he wrote. No, it. no, he wrote and well, no, did it? No, he wrote and directed it. Oh, really? Wait, uh, that other guy, you wrote Nat Faxon. Aye, yeah. but uh, your man Nat Faxon, he's actually on it too, and like a butt part. Is it the Little Miss Sunshine team that made that? Does it? No, I don't. I don't think Jim Rash and Nat Faxon were actually involved with Little Miss Sunshine, but it does have that feel. 
It mm. might have been the producers or some shit. But maybe yeah, there's a few actors from it. Anyway, it doesn't matter. For me, it's um, it's a film I've always really liked. I actually think I'm gonna recommend it a little while back. But again, it's a simple story. It's 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 a very sort of it's coming of age story. Um, you've got a young uh, kid who's basically going. I think it's like upstate New York out there like a beach resort or something like that there mm. and it's like the Palisades or some shit like that going for the summer and he's going with his mother who's played by Tony Collette and his, uh, he's not even a stepdad I think it's just his man's boyfriend okay. but it's played by Steve Krill and it's just about him kind of finding himself because he's very shy and he's very very tight with his mother but the stepdad is actually a buddy I can't have you, have you seen the way way back? No I just mind in the trailer like he calls him ugly or something but aye it's, it's actually a really heartbreaking scene that happens at the very start because aye. he's, he's kind of trying to goad him and the kid's really shy and he's not really sure of himself and he's all, what do you think you are, numbered 1 to 10? And he's all, I don't understand what you mean. And he's all, what would you give yourself looks-wise? And he's all, our looks and personality. He's all, I think maybe I'm a, I'm a 7. And he's all, I think you're a 3. Picture saying that, they're fucking insecure, fucking 12-year-old, like, you know what I mean? Aye. But uh, what's actually quite interesting is that Steve Carell plays a wanker so well. I mean, you've seen him go on this sort of dramatic territory recently on Foxcatcher where he's you know, quite unsettling uh, it's a good performance don't he, think it's amazing like, but it's a good performance he, he has a really good habit of finding like like the, the the things about people that you would always hide mm. do you know what I mean like things that people would do by themselves on their own like in a bathroom or in your flat by yourself you know things just just odd sort of audio circumstances that just most people don't know about people. Yep. He has a really good knack of finding. Even Dan in real life, there's a couple of I only watched really dead. I, I really enjoyed that. that. That's really brilliant. enjoyed that. Mm. But I mean, I think it's 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 so with his character in that, and I think it stuck out to me more because all these have this sort of preconception of what a Steve Carell character is. You know, funny, goofy. You know, Hollywood's Mister Nice Guy and that. And I just loved that it was it was the complete opposite. And not only was it the fact that it kind of stood out because, oh, you know, Steve Carell isn't doing Steve Carell, it's because he done it really well that you actually genuinely fucking hit this person. Like, like, you're really such a fucking continent. Like, but, um, it's a great show. I mean, another, you know, favourite actor of ours and stuff like that is Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell owns uh, the water park in this sort of beach resort and it just so happens that the kid goes there one day and he's fucked off after an argument with his man, you know, Steve Carell's character and, Sam Rockwell starts to take him under his wing and he gives him a job <coughs> there and stuff like that but he doesn't tell his ma or the stepdad that he's got a job there he's just saying that he's going out and playing every day and stuff like that but he kind of finds himself and he goes to parties but then it starts to get a bit uncomfortable because he starts to get a wee bit too attached to Sam Rockwell and sees him as like you know a friend and sort of like a semi-follower figure and mm. he starts like coming the parties that he's having with like his adult friends and Sam Rockwell obviously wants him there and wants to spend time in but he's like you know you should be spending time with people your own age too and kind of find yourself and loving your life because we've done our thing and we're just kind of all hanging out now uh, he says you, I mean he says you could stay I think it's that thing where they're standing at the top of the park and he says I said you could stay for a while but uh, sunrise the next morning maybe a wee bit too long mm. kind of hanging on I think that's that's sort of emotional linchpin that scene like it's brilliant but I think it's nice because he obviously has formed a massive bond with the kid and he, he does seem to love him a lot you know even in the short space of time he's met him and he does feel quite follower to him but at the same time he doesn't want to feel like guilt if you know, kind of making him hang about with old people who are smoking weed and fucking drinking and stuff like that. He wants him to kind of go and live his own life because he's basically hanging about with adults and he kind of has to find himself about too. You know what I mean? Mm. But um, it's a cracking film. I think it's, just, it's it's I think it's panned down by some cracking performances. Sam Rockwell's mm. always great and I think there's there's nice because he flits between doing a sort of wisecracking cookie thing that he does and like, you know, uh, what do you call it again? Uh, Gave, what do you Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and oh. you know, you've seen him in like, in like uh, Confessions. He's in 
Yeah, he's a fucking. I can't he even mention character characters name. Not yeah, he plays A. Mm -hmm. But uh, in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and then obviously in. Because well, I thought you were saying, what's that, Tim Allen one? Oh, fuck, I have no idea. The, with the Star Trek one? Oh, Galaxy, oh, Galaxy Quest. Quest, Galaxy Quest. Quest. So he's really cooking Ga right uh, uh. Galaxy Quest and Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. He's quite unhinged, but he's, he's still quite funny. So he does that, but then towards the end, you start to see him kind of subtly get a wee bit more dramatic, and he, he's kind of turned into this sort of. Like I was saying before, father figure. It 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 just it's a it's a nice sweet transition, but it's not too on the nose, and they never have one scene in there where he's all you know, oh, I love you like a son or something that really fucking uh, smacks you over the head with. It's just on the nice it's sort like of very realistic way, I like a big brother sort of thing. But there's a crack in exchange towards the end, uh, which I won't spoil. But it's the first time that Sam Rockwell's character meets Steve Carell's character, and it's it's just fucking brilliant. I'm not I'm not going to spoil it, but because you've grown they love the relationship between Sam Rockwell and the kid well, and because he, you've grown they hit uh, he compares Steve Carell to his own father yeah. a wee bit and uh, uh, just the exchanges is, is, is cool it's, it's subtle but it's good it's very subtle and again uh, I think it's just down to the strength of the writing by Nat Faxon and, and Jim Rash that they get real people and they get how these relationships work and they understand that you know it, it doesn't in these sort of twisted relationships between stepdads and, and young people and and these sort of big brawler figures and uh, it you know you're not going to i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Get this big scene-stealing thing where, you know, there's this big rousing speech or something. You know, it's yeah. all just about these wee sort of idiosyncrasies and these wee sort of movements and subtleties and I think they nailed yeah. it really really well because the the thing that, that really stood out to me in the film and it's probably my favourite moment is literally one movement it's it's one movement that Sam Rockwell does to Steve Carell which I won't spoil but he, he literally just moves but because it's done so subtly and because it's alluding to someone else of like come trying to protect the, the young boy it's it's class you'll know when you see it it's towards yeah. end <laughs> There's the last shot in the film, I'll not say what it is, but uh, where Tony Clayt sort of changes where she is in the car and this mm. kind of thing, and then uh, <laughs> it's just one of the things you can you can you can tell it's it's green screen just because of her reaction, yeah. Because like instead of just looking out like like he normally would, she sort of like looks around, as, as, like looks up to the sky or, or looks up as if you know. If you're ever in mass or church, you know, when you're younger, you're just looking at the roof. Because yeah. nobody did that. Like, uh, she mean? sits in the back and she's just this, like, she's, <laughs> she's just looking look at her. She looks up and she looks over and you're all, screen, screen. <laughs> you know, because it's trying to suggest this 
big expanse which obviously isn't there <laughs> and it's just funny as well no the wee fellow's just looking straight at the back as you would but uh, I just thought it was funny like. <laughs> does uh does Tony Collette play a woman on the edge? She does play a woman <laughs> on the edge. And like like we said before, I think that she's got that fucking role earmarked on Hollywood <laughs> of playing just a kind of downtrodden housewife who just can't take it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But well, that, does, uh, does Sam Rockwell dance in this? Sam Rockwell does He does a wee bit. Does he? Yeah. I should remember at the very start when he sort of does the, the kick and all. Ah, it's right as we jive. I completely forgot about that. I, I think contractually he needs to dance in every movie. But <laughs> is it not because he, he used to be a dancer? He's got like serious dancing fucking time. Yeah. Or some shit like that, there. I don't know, but he's got some moves in him. He definitely I think, he's, he, moves I think him dancing is the only good thing in Charlie's Angels. <laughs> I think, oh, he, did, I think he does a too. splits down, slides down, and hits record on the earth. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like fucking lethal. Yeah. Oh, what about Crispin Glover? I think he was good in that. Crispin Glover. He's, he's the big. Oh, I, no. I, Strange man, Cri- Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover just genuinely seems so creepy. Like, he, could, he is out murdering people every yeah. night. Like, do you know as well, I only found this out recently about Chris from Glover, and if you have any interest in whatsoever, check it out, but he writes and produces and directs his own series of like, really, really like super low budget films, but a lot of them are sort of produced, I'm nearly sure, in like Eastern Europe and stuff, and I mean like, they're, they're virtually impossible to get, but he's he's got like a fucking series about the production and direction credits under his fucking belt, I, but I mind it all talking, seems shit, like. I mm. mind him talking about he's done films where like the whole cast, they all have Down syndrome or something, he's working like we... Yeah, he's, he's running like the experimental all, stuff and, and stuff like that, but I mean, it's, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't know, it, they may... Fair enough, maybe he does have some artistic merit. I can't really comment because I haven't seen any of his films, but for me, he just seems like a mad bastard. <laughs> like a really creepy fucking bastard. Did you ever see that interview when he was on David Letterman and he's wearing like big platform shoes and all and he kicks and it nearly actually kicks David Letterman and, he is, and David Letterman says like, I, he's never coming on the show again. Like, <laughs> because if you see him going on, you think it's like an act, you think it's like a bit, like he's mm. trying to be funny, but this is generally how he goes yeah, on. Like, it's super weird. Weird. But I uh, just they, they sum up uh, the Crispin Glover Cove there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, just, we just went on the <laughs> we just went on that one. But uh, they sum up way way back. Simple coming of age story, but it's really really feel good. Um, Sam Rockwell, Steve Carell, Tony Collette, all brilliant as always. And um, I think, like I was saying, it's just underpinned by cracking performances. And uh, you know, it's 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 subtle, realistic performances about you know a very tender age of people's lives where they kind of find themselves and it's a, a very sort of subtle portrayal to you of maybe being in your your 40s or, or, or late 30s and kind of not knowing what you're doing with your life it's very well handled i like mm. it a lot i like it too yeah. what what do you think the cutoff age is in a film that of for like a coming of age film like can you have a coming of age film when the person's 40 <laughs> I, th- I think maybe let's let, let 20s at a push maybe early 30s i mean it's not it's not they say that people don't find themselves when they're in their 50s or 60s but i think just traditionally most people kind of finally catch on to what they're doing maybe towards their late 20s 30s no because it what made me think of it is because like because then you go from coming of age to midlife crisis (laughs) (laughs) because what made me think of it was uh Obviously, Garden State's a coming of age film, and he's what, like late twenties in that film. Yeah, you can but get then, away with that, like. But then, in Wish I Was Here, he's like late thirties or something, or maybe that's uh, a midlife crisis film. <laughs> I know, but like he, he, like even said when he did the Kickstarter and all, Zach Brown said like, "Oh, it's it's similar tone to Garden State," and he's, he's he's trying to continue on that tone. But in that film, just Zach Brass character seems like a dick because 
he's pers- he's pursuing his acting career and it's like oh it's my dream but you realize that everyone around you is supporting you for your dream that isn't working out so wise the fuck up and get a job <laughs> like you know it, it's that kind of thing that he's he's at a certain age where he should be taking care of his family and not making his family take care of him see in hindsight and i know we talked about it a long time ago but that film was one piece of shit it's really bad. <laughs> really bad like and i felt you know what i actually felt sadder for you because you know you love gardens that much and you kind of look forward to that film for so many years and it was unbelievable i was just moment. glad it didn't give to the kickstarter because i was looking at it like thinking about it but Fuck i was em. glad i didn't yes enough though come on there there are some good points in that film like all the stuff we managed to be thinking was, i think it's pretty good that's that, that's I think that's down to the strength of Mandy Patinkin as an actor yeah. too. Like I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I think those scenes would have been affecting anyway. But I think that just Mandy Patinkin really elevates it too because yeah. he's fucking a supreme actor. And Josh Gad's good at it, even though he shouldn't be on that. He shouldn't should be in the film. <laughs> I mean, his stuff is is interesting, but that's it's almost like he stepped on from another script. Mm. It's like what's he even doing there? Because he's completely unrelated to the whole. And they try to shoot in this like Comic Con stuff to like make it relevant. So or bad. And or... sleeping with a girl that he picks up there and. It's like, oh, he's achieved something. Like, you know, that this is development for his character. We don't give a fuck. But anyway. It's not all about sex, either. It's not. It's about the, the love of... Steve Carell taught us that in 40-Year-Old Virgin. <laughs> no, wait, that was all about sex. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, when you think, like, he's this kind of weird, not very, like well-adjusted person then he don't call actually, someone so. weird if they're a virgin when they're 40 <laughs> no, no but i'm oh. saying the, the way they present him in the film like he doesn't have a lot of friends and then it all becomes about him having sex he's just about shaming that's all i that's what i'm saying but the way they present it is like he's he all he but, needs to do is have sex i don't like do you know what i don't like right because i thought i don't know how we got all this but <laughs> yeah, but don't, don't get me wrong in in 40 year old virgin i really like a film i think it's very funny i think it's it's you know it's, it's a nice look at kind of I suppose, in a very strange way, you're saying that coming of age, he kind of comes of age, but he's like, you know, 40 or whatever, in his 40s. Which is spelled with you. <laughs> <laughs> you dirty, dirty rascal. But, uh... <laughs> That'd be a great tagline for that film, a coming of age. <laughs> <laughs> Even Judd doesn't want to go down that fucking thing. He doesn't want to go down there. Like, but, uh... First film, actually. Is that his first film? I think it might be the first one he directed, I but because I think he, was, he had a lot of production because he produced like Freaks and Geeks and stuff like that before uh, and Undeclared and stuff. He wrote Cable Guy. That's right, he wrote Cable Guy. Mm, there you go. You know, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I've, I've, I've I, recently I don't rewatched Cable Guy, I get fucking mad. I don't mind Cable Guy. I like so. Cable Guy. I think I haven't watched it People years, just, I <laughs> really think just people weren't ready for it. Aye. It's, it's, it's a highly sophisticated fucking dark satire. Yep. It was just, Risky for everybody involved, and it I, didn't pay off. But I think it's brilliant. Because I, I think, think I like the thing we had to do as well is because Jim Carrey, like he was the that was the highest paid actor ever. Like when he got money for that film, and so it was such a big financial risk for he ever produced it. Yeah, that it was a flop. Then I think as well that a lot of obviously by then people have bought on the sort of Jim Carrey shtick and all that crack. But he was always the good guy and then Cable Guy he's not the good guy whatsoever and uh, you find that out very quickly and I don't think people were very comfortable with that you know what I mean I think see, they wanted him to be the hero another thing too is I mean around that time you had a lot of you know you had, you had TV you had Truman Show you had all mm. these different things whereas Cable Guy was just like I, the, commenting on a lot of those things like the dark side of all that but even darker the dark side of TV yeah you're just kind of and but in a really fucking mental way how you TV yeah, like, can turn people into fucking nah, sociopaths. Like, I, see, I, I was worried about that as a kid because, like, no way, like, he's so mad about TV because he just watched TV when he was a kid. Aye, aye. It's like, that's all I did when I was a kid. And I was like, am I going to turn out like this? I was definitely an inside wing, like. 
it's a, it's a, is that a fucking what do you call it uh, quote from not inside wine <laughs> no no uh, from way way back you were like an inside kid oh was it I don't know what I, I, I think I might have been. If, if that was a reference I did not intend them uh, but uh, you look like an inside uh, unintentional that's a nice uh, it's a good line too I like it <laughs> strong line well done Jim but uh, what were we saying anyway what were we going you, you were you were going to say something about 40 old virgin the only thing I don't like about that I, about 40 year old virgin is I think it's the fact that he's supposed to be shy and then he's you know he's, he's not had sex when he's 40 which a lot of people see as, as very weird but you know fuck it you know some people don't have sex until some people never have sex it's not, not a big deal whatsoever it's putting the pussy on a pedestal <laughs> I, I hate that I hate that word like, but then I continue not pedestal <laughs> you fucking bastard too shaffy I stand but that, I, I just don't like the fact that they kind of had a crowbar on a wee truthiest personality that he collected action figures and stuff like that because for me I thought that was very easy it's like oh you know he's, he's a virgin I was annoyed today to get rid of the action figures to be honest what? I was annoyed today to get rid of the no, I, no I was annoyed today to get rid of them but I was I, I kind of just griped me that they had to put that on there because why does he because the reason I said it is it's that it's fairly badly observed like. I, I think that it's yeah. almost like all oh, people who collect action figures and stuff like that there uh, you know they they can't get sex they're going to be virgins or you know they're mm-hmm. kind of inherently weird or something and I just thought that it was a wee you thing at the end you're I, in the comic con <laughs> I, I think I was so Airbus fucking there. Airbus from Comic Con. Comic Con's just one big orgy. But I think I was just saw they threw in like the almost fucking tell of you. Oh, you know this this guy's about stranger about yeah. cookie because he collects action figures. But I think it's it's, it's just a really kind of hateful look. That, like oh, you know if you collect action figures and you're inherently strange, you're not going to get women. Or you know, it, I don't know. I just don't like it. Mm. It might be a bit of self hate though, because all those guys are kind of yeah, and they yeah. all that kind of stuff. Maybe like, as well. We're losers. <laughs> but if you if right, how how long goes forty old virgin? It's two thousand and five or something. Two thousand and four, maybe mm. twelve years ago. Mm. Alright, so say that's twelve years ago, and like, co- like comic books and all air weren't as popular as they are now. They weren't chic. Yeah, but if you want to talk about like badly observed, like throwing in comic books and video games, I watched. Special Correspondence last night the new Netflix film it's awful it's actually so fucking bad I heard there's just I heard the chemistry there's just not there's none there there's no chemistry whatsoever in the film among anyone America Ferrara and her boyfriend and it's really good that's Uh, about it but no she existed ugly Betty yeah she's actually really hot (laughs) But That's another uh, thing I don't like the fact they called her ugly Betty when she's a very good looking wee girl. Uh, she's she got glasses, glasses and she's a <laughs> It's just that uh, she's not Hollywood good looking like fuck off. And but I in Special Correspondence Ricky Gervais's character he plays video games and collects like uh, Marvel characters like collectibles and stuff. But Ricky Gervais sitting there playing a video game and he's like oh come on like yeah take that. He's like you've never played a video game in uh, your fucking life. This <laughs> doesn't ring true whatsoever. And just... <laughs> It's like they're making like they're making that reasons why his wife doesn't love him. It's like oh, it's like she didn't expect to be with this guy that plays video games and collects Marvel characters oh, all day. It's like fuck off. It's like are you serious? Like why even have uh, that as a trait? To just say he's shit. You know what yeah. I mean? I say he's a fucking loser or something. Yeah. I don't have a fucking good. Say just say like fucking banter sisters. Like Aye, but as I think that, <laughs> but that 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 whole film and a, a Sandy Shan about this last night. I used his favorite term. It's a it's a complete ego bath for Ricky Gervais Aye. because you, you, like you see the trailer for it and you think he'll be the the witty psychic, but the whole film becomes about him. 
And Close it does. He fucking saves the day, and all. and Eric Bana actually has a line at the end of it. It's like, oh, he's the star of the thing or whatever, and it's just like, what actually are you doing? <laughs> it's it's so uh, bad. I mean, because I I like like a lot of Rick Gervais stuff. Like I like The Office and I like extras, and I was a big fan of podcasts and all. And generally, I know a lot of people like don't like him. They think he's about sparmy or whatever. But I always talk that as. That's just he he puts point, I, uh, he puts that forward for comedy purposes, oh, and even if you don't find it funny, you you know he's not really like he's that. He's taking the piss, like uh, right. But in this, the fact that he's done all these things in the filmmaking process of it, because he wrote and directed it as well. Yeah, yeah. It's just like no, you are actually uh, up your own. Like, 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 as an even an actor, there's, there's no way that this this is for comedy because uh, it's n- in no way funny. Uh, well. I know we're, we haven't even got halfway Andy talking about what we're supposed to talk about in this podcast, but uh, <laughs> another comic thing that uh, is relevant is I watched Ted 2 this week. Oh. Uh, I tried to get it. I actually fucking enjoyed it. Yeah, really? Aye. Really so it was aye, it's fucking funny. Like, you know, and it, blocked it today. No, it was... Don't uh, lie to us, Colin. I was hungover. <laughs> 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 no, but, uh, still, still drunk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But... Yeah. Uh, Watch that five tomorrow. It's it's fucking it's like I kinda think of both of those films. They are eighties films. It's not laugh a minute, but there's like an eighties kind of heart and sensibility yeah. to them. And they're they're easy watching. Well you can't watch me or Manda, but they're easy watching. You get the jokes in it here now and again, and it's like, there's, a, there's a couple of fucking really funny bits in it. They bring back Giovanna Rabisi from the first one as well. Oh yes. And uh, he has this fucking ploy. The kidnapped Ted, which is sort of like a subplot of the film, but it's it's still in Ted. The whole story is that Ted's trying to get his his civil right to be human so he can get married. Yeah. And then uh, if he doesn't get it, then he's possession, and so the the company that made him own him. And Regina Rabisi has this plan: they get Ted, uh, cut him open, find out how he works, so he can make like a million Teds. It's have, actually Hasbro, the company, and it like it's I, not like a I, fake Hasbro. It's no, actually no, it's Hasbro. Hasbro. Right. I was gonna say, there's like, there's a couple of really funny bits. In it. There's a, it's, it's a really physical joke, like, but uh, <laughs> fucking uh, Giovanni Ricci has this wig on the whole way through. The, or, or he has just a really mad hair on, right? Well, it's a wig now, as I've told you. But just like towards the end, Mark Wahlberg actually has him a slap, and the wig comes off, and he just as it runs away, <laughs> as it runs away, tells him, ah, I fucking know it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like fucking I was passionate myself laughing because it's just this really mad hairdo and I, I was sort of wondering you know the whole way watching through I just couldn't help look at his hair I was all what was he shooting at the time that he had hair like that <laughs> you know, what else was he shooting that he had to have hair like that and all but, <laughs> there's a couple of jokes like uh, the most contagious song like because cause Ted hides and this fucking you know because uh, they're, they're releasing this new product Ted hides among like 40 other Ted's and Giovanni Rabisi starts singing this song. You know, he starts singing Sweet Caroline. <laughs> he says, this is the most contagious song ever. And then so he's all, Sweet Caroline. Ted can't help it. He goes, Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> <That's> just, <laughs> that's how he gets him out of the morning. And there's a couple of fucking, really fucking funny bits on it. Like, what, what did you think of the Liam Neeson bit? To be honest, I must have start. So uh. when we came up with the post credits, I was all, obviously, there's a reason for that. Because he comes up at the end of the post credits, uh, I know he's he's buying know the cereal tricks, yeah. and, and you know the tagline <laughs> is tricks is for kids, and he's all like, 
I, I understand these are for kids, <laughs> but I am an adult. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, no, you, you, you can he's buy playing it. Like, the Titan characters. I, 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 <laughs> no, but is he not basically fucking playing up that whole uh, extras thing as well, Ricky Gervais? Where once they break on the oh. camera, it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I know. I've eaten oh, no, with them. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not it. That's not extras. That's fucking life is life's short. Life's too short. Ah, too short. Fuck, that's right, though. Yeah. I know. That's one of the funny bits from that show. It's. Uh, <laughs> I guess. Uh, I think it's the only funny thing in that uh, show. More likely. I think there's a funny bit with Johnny Depp as well. Or to get involved with comedy, you know. Laugh out loud. Funny stories, jokes. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's all crazy characters. <laughs> crazy characters. <laughs> I know. He, he, he says, like, the reason he was cast in Schindler's List is because he always makes lists. I, 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 he says, I'm always making lists. He's all in fact, that's why I think Steven Spielberg cast me. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, he's all Steven. I'm always making lists. Goes, that's exactly what I'm looking for. <laughs> If you're never going to be done with it. <laughs> I, I, it's, I think that's potentially one of the funniest scenes Ricky Gervais and Steve Merchant have ever written. That's fucking ridiculous. Go and yeah, tell us this as well, right? You know the way like Liam Neeson always plays American characters? Why? Why not just say he's Irish and they moved to America? He actually says he's deliberately uh, stopping using the accent or cutting it down. But I mean, even now, I don't even think it's an accent anymore. I think that is just Liam Neeson's voice because he's been in the States for so long. I think it does have a slight American twang, uh, but it's still completely Northern Irish. Like, so I don't understand why every because most films that I've seen, especially now since he's had this renaissance of being like you know a sort of action man, be it Unknown or the fucking Grey or Run All Night or even Taken and stuff I got there, or actually one that I uh, really enjoy, which is Nonstop. That's non-stop is the only one that kind of makes a point of saying that he came from Northern Ireland and moved to America years ago. Uh, Every other one just pins him as, you know, like a pure American. But what, it doesn't, it has no relevance to the script. Mm. And it just comes off as fucking stupid. Doesn't he use the, I haven't seen, I've seen like two seconds of it and I couldn't be bothered. Actually, I actually didn't bother watching the non-stop? film. non-stop? No, of uh, A Million Ways to Die in the West. Oh, uh, uh, no, I don't even see it. I, I, I watched, the, actually, no, I see the two seconds, I watched, I watched it for the Doc Brown joke. Oh yeah, it's good. That's, a, that's <laughs> the only thing I just watched. Did you know the joke? No, no. It's like he walks past this barn and he sees a DeLorean, and then he just looks in and he's like, "Oh, I'm just conducting a weather experiment." And he just <laughs> covers the DeLorean, like, but you know. Oh, it's just a wee uh, throwaway. Uh, uh, yeah, that's just cool, and it's actually Christopher Lloyd. Oh, nice one. What's nice <laughs> 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 about like always? Oh, MR experiments, like uh, really? <laughs> flat out. <with> him. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and we'll go into topics. Calm hand. I believe you have a topic. No, just on, on what we were talking about there earlier about you know even me Zach Braff about we like Garden State and hope the segment was good. We're talking about David Lean how as his record was fairly faultless and mm-hmm. talking about uh, what do you call your guy from Terminator again? Jason, Jason Clark. Clark. About how uh, he shot himself in the foot recently. Kind of shot himself in the foot. Just what, shot about, his dick about, off. <laughs> about that idea of who do we think has faultless careers or, or who nearly had them and what was the film that did it? Do you know, it's an interesting topic but it's a kind of strange one, okay? Uh, the reason being is that when I was growing up it was kind of my granda who inadvertently got me on the films. I mean, like, I used to watch, like, old John Wayne's with him, you know, like, Rio Bravo or yeah. Sons of Kill Out There or fucking She Wore a Yellow Ribbon and all that sort of stuff. And 
my granddaughter used to say to me, you know he's never made a bad film, Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman's never made a bad film. And then see, looking back on it, from all the Gene Hackman films I've seen, he's near enough right. Now, don't get me wrong, Gene Hackman made a serious amount of films, but every Gene Hackman film I've ever seen, I've really enjoyed. Now, mm. I don't know if that's just a kind of old saying, like, or, or Gene Hackman's always been associated with being quite consistent, because a man about the same age as my granda, when I was in a bar one night, who found out that I was in the films, said the very same thing, almost word for word. Oh, Gene Hackman's never made a bad film. Uh, so I'm, I'm wondering. for. Hi, but I'm, but I'm what? No, but what I'm wondering is, is that just a saying, or is that just a kind of belief that men of a certain age have, or was that sort of thing that went around at the time? Are you? Do or you was mean that specifically Gene Hackman? Specifically Gene Hackman, <laughs> or 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 was that just a complete coincidence that two or three actually men of that age kind of all said that to me mm. near off word for word? Well, probably just because he's had a big career, like and big career, mm. big vast, well, see, massive throbber of a career. <laughs> a big Pringles character. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right off a few of the, the main ones. Pacino and De Niro are definitely guilty. Uh, they've, they've done some shit. Uh, when, when did they break? <laughs> like what point? Uh, did do you know what? For me, it's for it's me, De for, for, for De Niro post heat. After heat, for me, hmm. he started a break. And don't get me wrong. Since then, he's done some good shows. Like I mean, he's done Ronan. He was quite good in Silverlands Playbook and all the stuff he's done with like uh, Russell. It's start. He's starting to get back on track. Are you up with the? He's David literally just made like? bad grandpa or whatever the fuck it's called. Dirty ah, grandpa. Ah, fuck. So yeah. <laughs> Dirty grandpa. <laughs> he's off again. He's off. He's off again. He's off again. Really. Because for a while it seemed that way because he'd been doing the stuff with David Russell and stuff like that. Yeah, that it seemed uh, like he was kind of doing it for artistic merit. I think with Pacino it was probably people I know or people mm. we know or what do you call it. I, I turned it off halfway through. I was just fucking shit. Apparently, the development he had out last year was Danny Collins. Apparently, uh, that's pretty uh, good. The HBO one. The I John, seen that that was the John Lennon one, like a John Lennon room. I am. I, I think I he could have been. Was it he could have been just as big as John Lennon or something like that? I don't really know uh, the answer. Uh, he could have been in the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Could have been the fifth. <laughs> Actually, just as a, as a off thing, you ever see that film Kellen Bonham? No, it's on Netflix. No, it's your man, Shannon, or not what you call him. Uh, the boy was on Robert Sheehan. Or Robert Sheehan was on uh, Love Hit and stuff. And all. Uh, uh, and uh, Ben Barnes from Narnia fame. What happened to his career? Kellen Bonham. It looked like he was going to... Uh, well, because he done the, an R one that flopped. Who remember he done? Was it the picture of Dorian Gray? Oh, uh, And that, that shit a bit too at the box office. He like. was in that one Seventh Son as well. Which I, was well, I've never even heard of that. So it's I think Jeff I just... Bridges is on it, and I think Kit Harrington is a small thing in it. Uh, but it's it's looked terrible. As well. uh, sometimes you get good actors; they just either make sh- like, like really shite choices, or they must have the worst agent in the world. I'm never that convinced that Ben Barnes is a good actor. I think he was just very good looking. I know uh, the only reason uh, I, the only reason I brought up Kellen Bono is because that is it's a true story of. Uh, uh, I can't even mind the f- their fucking names in it, but basically, Ben uh, Robert Sheehan is Ben Barnes's brawler in it. And they go to school with Bono and the Edge and all, like, before they were U2, obviously. But uh, they want him to join his band. And uh, Ben Barnes says, no, you aren't having him. He's in my band. So he could have been in U2. Oh, fuck. And, he's, and so he, he can't say has this, like, I don't think his brawler knows. He can't say has this guilt that they're not as big as U2. And he stopped him from being in U2. <laughs> but they have their own band, like, as well. <laughs> He it's all right, like, but it, it gets a bit fucking ridiculous towards the end. But it's a Grammy. It, it, the funny thing about it is, fuck, I. It's supposed to be set in Dublin, in like what? When would YouTube been at school? Like sixties, seventies, 
But they shot it. They shot it in. They shot it in Belfast because Belfast looks like Dublin in the seventies. <laughs> I'm actually. This is it all really? I know there's an extra. Are you? And the because they shot a while out at Mandela Hall, and I went down for the half day, and uh, I got a can of coke and a pack of crisps. <laughs> <laughs> no, because the, the 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 producer of it actually came to talk to us when I was at uni. Like that's how I kind of first found out about the film. But he was saying they were shooting in Belfast at all and Aye. all that. Kind of. It was the scene. Here's Tempest. The guy's name was. Aye. Tempest. Yeah, it would have been Pierce your Tempest. man from the Sheen or uh, what do you call him? Robert the, Sheen. Robert Sheen. It would have been when his band was performing. Aye. I'm not saying uh, <laughs> Starbuck and roll <laughs> keep, keep a wee look out for Call her uh, Oh dude I can't even Fucking try and watch <laughs> them <aren't laughs> <I? laughs> I deliberately didn't Jump up and down So it would stand out Like <laughs> <laughs> That bastard Just standing there <laughs> Just this arrogant Fucker standing Smoking already really <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, back to flawless actors. I would say for consistency, I think it's a lot easier to sort of pick him out. I don't think it's completely flawless, but it's it's quite close because he's very selective. Day-Lewis has not done that much. Uh, You would say nine, that sort of semi-music like those years, like that was shit. He done stars and bars in the 80s too, which is pretty balls. But everything else you look at, I mean, I don't think the boxers are a great film, but it's not bad either. It's not bad. He's good on it, aye. and you know, aye. it's not like a must step. Then earning. Lincoln's a good film. There will be blood. It's one of my favorites ever. You know, what I mean, the Crucible. I actually fucking love. I, I love that version of the Crucible. Name the Fowler. Uh, fucking my left foot. My left foot. Last of Mohicans. Gangs of New York. Yes. You know what I mean? Aye. It's fairly untouchable. It's like fairly fucking good. Fucking. Uh, the other of course Age of Innocence Age of Innocence that's right and even uh, the importance Rem- of being earnest on that uh, or is it Room of You or no and My Beautiful Andrette class Beautiful as well Andrette. But what's the one he did with Hannah Bonham Carter Room of You is it? Oh, I can't even mind the name yet is it that I can I check know. it out now like I mean obviously what you're talking uh, about but, but I think he's great then it? It, it's or maybe it is a part of being earnest I don't know but you look at it as well I mean no, I, no is he on that I don't think he's on that it just shows that you can be choosy as an actor and only do stuff maybe for artistic credibility Aye. But then, obviously, still have fucking a ridiculously consistent quality through like yeah. Because I mean, I think that's the downfall of most actors. And Jesus, I'm not going to criticize them. Obviously, if you're in a profession where you can make, especially if you're famous, and you can make a fucking obscene amount of money for a couple of weeks' work, you know, doing a piece of shit, and it means that you're <laughs> gonna, it's, it means you're gonna be comfortable for the rest of your life. And Jesus, who the fuck Give am it I to say? Time to make whatever you want. Like, aye, 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 you know, who am I to say that? Because I mean, that's that's almost like. The acceptance on Hollywood that you know you do your money uh, movie and then you do your art project, you know what I mean? Apparently, this is what happened to Hopkins. He says, says, after a while, towards the end of the career, he says, People drink me up and say, Right, and they will give you 12 million and we're shitting in the Bahamas. And he says, Do I see it? It's a free holiday to the Bahamas and they pay me to just be there. You can't really argue with that. Like. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, well, like, you know, well, bad, Anthony Hopkins. See, at the other side of the coin, we're just talking about people who are inconsistent stuff like that there. Someone who's done like a phenomenal amount of shit is Christopher Walken. But he is an he is <laughs> But he is an other philosophy. And I don't know if it's Christopher just fucking trying to brush over the fact that he's doing stuff for about a dollar and stuff like that. But I, I kind of I liked his explanation because people, I think some other viewers said to him a few years back, they kind of criticised him about, you know, how he's one of the seminal actors and, you know, he's, he's one of the great actors of his generation and it just seems like he's doing any project. And he seemed genuine when he said it, so I, I, I kind of believed him. 
But he said that the reason that he does any project is because he's that in love with the filmmaking process. And even if it isn't the best script ever, the fact that you can start with just a wee idea and then go to script and then actually make a completed film, sometimes within the space of six months, mm. he just likes being involved in that. And I mean, like, I can kind of see where he's coming from. No, I, I definitely see where he's coming from. It's a really nice sort of sentiment. But a lot of the shit that he's done, it's not like it's been fucking multi million pound paychecks he's going to be getting. No, you know no. what I mean? I, mean, I, I think Nicholas Cage said that as well. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I mean, even you're saying about Gene Hackman. I, I remember there was a, a sort of a like a quick interview made about why he retired kind of quietly in Empire one time, because I think the last film he made was this sort of semi-flop with John Turturro and all, and he just said it wasn't a great script and he didn't like the director. And welcome to Newsport. I, I don't I don't remember exactly what it was. I think it was his last his last actual working job. There might have been films released after, but I think that was his last time he was on set. And he just says, "I was sitting around the set, going, what's the point?'" Mm -hmm. He says, "It just I don't like." He felt like they were just flogging a dead horse, and he just went, "What's the point anymore? Fuck it." Yeah, welcome to the sport was his last. He just kind of. Mm -hmm. He Ray lost Romano. Sort of <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> he lost passion just on his fucking heart. No. Really, was John Turturro in that? Uh, I can't see him. It's a sort of strange one as well because I think not only would he have fallen out of love with acting, but I mean, obviously, since then, Gene Hackman's went on to become like a successful author. I mean, like, he's had like three books and stuff like that, so maybe that's only one to go on to. He's now like fucking 86 as well. Kicking him up at old Gene. No bother him. What was I saying? He has a mustache recently. Just to confirm, too, that film with Helena Bonham Carter and Daniel Day Lewis was Room of a View. That's the one. And also, someone very interesting that I found out from Daniel Day Lewis's filmography. Is that he was in Gandhi, which I fucking completely right. must. Uh, and his first role was uh, in Sunday Bloody Sunday as Child Vandal on Credit. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want a person that just has probably. So much to it, I think a lot of his career, the successful part of his career was luck, is Bruce Willis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you think it was luck that he. I, I think though, I, I think it's, it's one it was of really luck cast and like Die Hard because I think they wanted Arnie to do it. Aye, they would have wanted one oh, of the was, big macho men. Was it Stallone you said before, or it was, Die Hard was supposed to be a sequel to something or something? It was supposed to be a sequel to Commando. Like. Oh right, Jesus. I think it was. Aye, <laughs> but then they repurposed. That's an art. It's an interesting thing about films that were meant to be standalones, like Ocean's Twelve is a standalone script, but then. I think they brought the Jerry Weintraub and he says, hey, this could be something that... This could work. They kind of carry on the vehicle, like, And that's what happened to that script. That happens with a lot of video game films as well. Just somebody has this idea and say, oh, we could attach this brand to it, basically. Yeah. Jesus. But uh, I was talking about uh, Die Hard as well. Aye, and then like, he kind of loved off that sort of fame for a while and then he went and made Sixth Sense, which, which took him in a different direction then and Unbreakable and... I personally think Unbreakable is one of his best. Like, it's, it's a, a super fun. amazing film. Super fun. I love that film. Like. I know enough um, Unbreakable was released just before like the sort of dawn of like the comic book explosion. I think me and you have talked about it before that if you ever want a completely... Well, actually, if you ever want a very, very mature look at a comic book film or about a character with superpowers and it's actually presented as almost like a... a almost like a, a middle-aged drama, like a quite a mm. sophisticated drama... 
Unbreakable. Is your one of you seen Unbreakable? No, I haven't seen it. I tried watching it one time, but immediately fell asleep. You would, you would but fucking it's, it's not it's a comment be- on the, the film because I mean, obviously, <laughs> it looks, it looks on that superhero world, but it does it in an exceptionally realistic way. You know what? It kind of reminds me of. Uh, do you ever see Chronicle? Obviously, by yeah. Josh Trank. I mean, that's a very realistic look. Max at Landis. Really? Max Landis. That's a very interesting look at how you know teenagers would actually react if they got superpowers. They would start fucking about. You know, maybe turn on the you know criminals yeah. and stuff like that, but. Unbreakable doesn't really have those sort of comedic elements, you know, because it's a wee bit lighthearted at the start of Chronicle. Yeah, it's a lot deeper, and it's 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 kind of like a sobering look at what would happen if you if you were kind of indestructible or had these superpowers and how mm. we, how we kind of it's deconstructing the archetype, really, isn't it? Like? I big time, mate. Yeah. I wasn't a Patton Oswalt like gave a pitch for like a trilogy of those films or something. Did he? I uh, like it, like it was just like a comedy bit that he was doing, but he was saying like M Night Shyamalan should make a trilogy of Unbreakable films, and he gave a pitch. Well, he you know definitely what, fucking should. I think his career would have went a lot better if it did. <laughs> <laughs> He's kind of shit that bad well, recently. Well, he he was kind of back on track with that last one. People seemed to like it. What was it? Uh, like the two kids visiting their grandparents or something. Fuck, I didn't see that. I didn't even hear about it. To be honest with you, it's it's a it's like a low budget, you no know, like a Blumhouse like found footage horror kind of thing but uh, you know what? people seem to like air these were saying he's back. I was quite disappointed because those first three films I mean Unbreakable I love Sixth Sense yes I mean after you get over the twist and stuff again it doesn't really re- reward repeated viewing but I still really like the film you know I mean it's it's actually got a lot of merit like I said to you before I think Sixth Sense now is just known for the twist and the yeah. icy dead people and stuff like that. but I actually think the most interesting thing about it is again Tony Collette but playing, playing, <laughs> playing I Tony Collette being playing the, the downtrodden sort of fucking uh, woman on the edge because uh, M. Night Shyamalan or however I, how do you pronounce the surname? I, say, I always say Shyamalan but Shyamalan or, is it not Shyamalan? Shyamalan I, I think it's I, Shyamalan I sounds right Shyamalan but like M. Night Shyamalan he's, he's came it's out a couple Shamhammer Shamhammer he said a couple of times that uh, his main interest when he was making a sixth sense wasn't about the twist and it wasn't about the sort of supernatural aspect yet. He said that he wanted it to be a supernatural story that meets ordinary people, but not ordinary, like actually fucking Robert Redford's ordinary people the phone. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. he says his most, uh, his main focal point of the script, the thing he was most interested in was the relationship between Haley Joel Osment's character and Tony Collette mm. and how they kind of struggle through his sixth sense essentially mm-hmm. you know what I mean and, and, and the problems that that creates but uh, where'd I start with it you were saying <laughs> his first three films and you said Unbreakable sixth sense you know, what's yeah, his third and then, but you know what I, I like signs I, I really like signs I've never seen signs see it, when I first seen sixth sense like I don't know the twist or anything but I just genuinely just didn't like the film I actually think it's quite ballsy because after he done Unbreakable in the sixth sense and he was the niche director and you know like the, the fucking new bright young thing in Hollywood he chose the McSines, which is a sci-fi film, but it's really strapped back. Aye. I mean, it's Mel Gibson, Joaquin Phoenix, and the fucking two Waynes out in this, you know, country farm. And fair enough, there's an alien invasion about to happen. Like. Aye. Aye. It's, it's, you know, there's an alien invasion about to happen and stuff like that, but you don't really see any big battle scenes around it. It's all slow build-up and tension at the start. You don't really know what the fuck's going on. Hmm. It's, it's just really well handled. agree it falls apart at the end, though? I think maybe because after all, like the sort of suspense and the build up, maybe it's a wee bit too on the nose towards the end, eh? But I, I still don't think it spoils the film. Hmm. Um, but, the, like, okay, I haven't seen the film, but I've always heard that water is like. Yeah, it's, it's, it's about a cop out. Like, I, I, spoilers for Shines, but water <laughs> kills aliens. Like, so why the fuck would you go to a, a planet that's 80% water? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's about a, it's about a fucking a it's scrap mistake. It's, it's like. double down just. <laughs> but in saying that, like, say, 
we as a as, like humanity like we could travel to other planets and you found like a planet that was like 80 percent lava but there's some bits that are grand like they would like you could say oh well we'll still go there and like it, it, like yeah. explore you know do experiments or like take samples you know what i mean take away for a long weekend up there or something no but you know what i mean <laughs> like as a scientific exploration thing people would still go there mm-hmm. yeah Mikey, you have not suggested someone yet. We would like to hear your suggestion. Um, no, I was thinking directing wise, not acting wise, but Ben Affleck. He's had a he's, good run of three. He's films. A fucking good track record. Three super films, in my opinion. Eh? And mm. he has another one coming out, which I can't remember the name of. It's based on a book that I can't remember the name. And obviously, of. he's going to be directing the new Stanley. I know. I it was announced that he's going to be doing the the Batman film. Then. I'm very excited about that because so, he's got a deep love in it. Like we've said already, I think it was the best thing about the Batman vs Superman. Yeah. Mm. I hope just. I hope he kind of has a bit of sway and a bit of power that he can make the film that he wants, and it doesn't have to be too interrelated with. The, 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 the overall universe yeah. like because i think if you if you can just separate batman from everything else he can mm. do something greatly i'd say john mctiernan's had a fairly flawless action action career as well yeah because you look i mean obviously die hard predator uh what's what the fuck do you call the one with bruce wallace again the other one that, that's not die hard oh fucking the last boy scout, boy scout. that's john mctiernan no that's not no? tony scott that's a tony scott uh, oh fuck Shane i thought that was john Ah, oh, maybe that's all. It's McTiernan. What else did he do? Well, he did the third Die Hard as well. Yeah. Oh, did he? So uh, that's why it's good. <laughs> <laughs> what else did he do? Even uh, Basic is fucking very good. I don't mind what's that. The, uh, what's the Arnie one? The the Last Action Hero? He did last that. Action oh, Hero. Oh, that's fucking class. I uh, love the Last Action Hero. Ba- Basic's actually pretty good. I really like Basic. Aye. 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 It's on Netflix. <laughs> is it aye? I just came on. <laughs> just checking what else Joe McTiernan done. Just, just to confirm, that's the Judge Revolta one, isn't it? Where they're in yeah. the army and they're uh, trying the to... the Vietnam one. Do you know what's mad? Uh, I don't know. Is that John McTiernan has only directed 11 films. What? That's crazy. What? In fairness, I mean, well, he did go to jail for a couple of years. Like, you did know he? I mean, for, uh, for, for, for phone tapping. Half Hollywood, I mean. What? <laughs> he, was, he was phone tapping fucking half Hollywood. I mean. yeah. He's a mad cunt. Like. To, <laughs> to, 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 to what end was he phone tapping? Oh, he done the Humphrey in October, too. Oh, fuck it. Crack and shoot. And uh, he also done... Thomas Crown Affair, the remake, which I actually quite like. But then he also done Rollerball. That's the glaring one there. Like, there's a really... Everybody gets one. Everybody gets one. There's a really weird bit in that film, though, where it's shot in night vision. Have you ever seen the, yeah, the role? Yeah. There's it, there's a big sequence shot in night Chris? vision. It's not Ryan Reynolds. It's, it's what you call him. Is it L. Cool G not in that film? Aye, like, cool. uh, the, the guy from American Pie, the, the lacrosse player. Oh, I can't imagine his name. Fucking oh Jesus! Has a good solid. Right. Oh my word! It has a good solid three on IMDb. Oh <laughs> We're not even on the fours or fives. We're down right under the three. What do you, what do you call the main boy on it? Uh, the main actor, Chris Klein. Chris, Chris Klein. Klein. I I knew it was uh, something that sounded like a John Renault's on as well. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> Rebecca Roman Stamos, aka the first mistake. She's also on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She was also an ugly Betty. She played the transsexual. Oh, she's lovely. <laughs> she's just lovely. <laughs> I love this. I'm on. I'm on the IMDb page for Rollerball right now, uh, and you know the way there's like reviews and commentary, and then user reviews. <laughs> Somebody just put out a user review. He hasn't even left a comment. He's left one comment, but the review plain dreadful. Full. <laughs> <laughs> plain dreadful. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Like. <laughs> it's Is that it's his a- last film? Man? 
Uh, no, his last film was actually Bissick was after. Ah, right. So that's his last film. He's, he's he out now, though, but I think like, there was some. How long was he? There was some war film he was going to direct. There's some war film he was going to direct. I don't know if it's still on his IMDb. But I'll see if he's got anything in production. Or something. Like I don't think it. Well, obviously, oh, Iraq drama. Well, like they always say that in Hollywood, it's all about kind of trusting who you know. And I don't think anybody fucking. <laughs> <talks about it. laughs> so, I don't so, think uh, it wasn't fun tapping you. Like, well, <laughs> the fucking job. Nah, but that seems <laughs> it. McTiernan's got fuck all happening because I mean, like, sure, he's went bankrupt and stuff. He's been sued by that many people. He's fucking up shit creek. Like. Can I just fucking make Die Hard Six and make it good again? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, you just unclicked when you said a war film there because Christopher Nolan's next film is a war film. Uh, is Dunkirk on it? Aye, uh, with uh, Harry Styles from One Direction. <laughs> but, oh uh, Jesus! Oh, fucking hell. But no, he's he's he he'd be a good shout for maybe all good films apart from I don't really like Interstellar. I like Interstellar. I don't really like A Dark Knight Rises that much. Yeah. Uh, oh, or not there. Up, I would say up until the Dark Knight. But put it this way: the Dark Knight Rises is still a decent film. It's watchable. It's not a bad film. So I would say that I he he, he, he hasn't made a bad film yet. Because yeah. following is excellent for how low budget it is. I mean, he literally shot it over two years with his muckers the weekend. Mm. Uh, Memento, obviously great. Batman Begins, great. Uh, Prestige, great. Insomnia, very good. Uh, Dark Knight, very good. Meh. Interstellar, very good. So I I think he's he's one that you could point to and say. He hasn't fucking really put a foot wrong. Hmm. Cohen's as well, I would say, bar uh, the Lady Killers, which is a remake, and I don't even know why they've done it. And maybe Intolerable Cruelty, which isn't that bad. I still mind Intolerable Cruelty. I think that Cohen's are doing a flawless, because every film, even Hail Caesar, I mean, I think it's like we were saying a few weeks back, unless you're a fan of the ins and outs of filmmaking, and then you're a fan of maybe the golden age of cinema, then you're not really going to get on it, but you know, obviously I am, so I, I really enjoyed it. Like, but mm. I, I can see why it would be an ostracizing one. Aye, but as a film, it doesn't really work, but it's a Aye. nice kind of look at old Hollywood. As a film for everybody, it definitely doesn't work, but for like a niche film for a small audience, like a very, very specific audience, it definitely works. Like, mm. I, I heard, because in the, in the trailer, like Jonah Hill is, Jonah Hill's in the trailer and he has like his, his names on the poster, but he's actually in it for like, He's in one scene. <laughs> and, like, everything <laughs> he's in is in the trailer, and they're using him as, like, a selling point. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, put I think got a fucking huge... Jeez, I just realised as well that both Channing Tatum and Jonah Hall are in that, so the fucking uh, <laughs> 21 Jump Street boys are in that. I completely forgot. <laughs> Two-time Oscar-nominated Jonah Hall. Another actor that... And I remember seeing a, uh, an article recently saying that uh, no, it was a few years ago saying that uh, you think all DiCaprio's films are good. I personally think I haven't seen a bad DiCaprio film. I would say the same as well. I mean, he's not... I think he started to really come on to his, his own in the last five. After The Departed, I think he really started to see what he can do. The Departed. The Departed. And uh, <laughs> he sort of finally grew into that face then around Inception time as well. I think he put on a bit of weight, but he just looked like, like, like a man instead hey, of a boy. He looked like a man instead of like a pretty boy. Eh? And, uh, but... In fairness, like you know, I'm a man, not a boy, <laughs> not a pretty boy. Even, even <laughs> a pretty Mar- man. Marvin Drum's a good show. You ever seen Marvin Drum? I love Marvin Drum. And then Drum, obviously, this boy's life. What's eating Gilbert Grape and the basketball dairies? I mean, actually, it's very. What I what kind of frustrates me about DiCaprio is that you know, he's had so many great films since Titanic. Because Titanic was his real star, and roll. But everybody forgets his like pre-Titanic career, and he's had yeah. so many good roles in there, like the basketball dairies, Marvin Drum. What's eating Gilbert Grape, and Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet's actually pretty good too. That's yeah, you know it's like it's, it's pretty good. Like. Uh, but I would say with the Caprio too, like the sort of Day Lewis thing, is that 
he doesn't just do it. He's very, very choosy with his rules. Mm. I mean, I think it's it's crazy to think, but in the past five years, DiCaprio's only done like, I think it's only like three or four films. You know what I mean? Or maybe mm. even the past six years. I guess he's not done roughly like a film a year. Ah, it's, it's usually, it usually is a film a year. And then I, th- I actually think it was like 2012 or, or 2011, he just took a break for a year. Mm. So a do film you, a year. So he puts all his time and effort and the making that performance as good as it possibly can be. Mm. As opposed to juggling about fucking, you know, five or six jobs a year. Mm. You know what I mean? Do you think he, he learned a lot from Day-Lewis and Gangs of New York that he was going to be way more picky and... It's a strange one because a way a lot of people always uh, compare them. There was actually like a lot of backlash towards Day Lewis because DiCaprio hadn't won his Oscar yet. You know, what I mean, and people are saying, "Oh, Daniel Day Lewis has fucking three Oscars, and you know, DiCaprio doesn't have one, and we think he's a far better actor and stuff like that." Uh, but I think it was just about a typical internet hatefulness, just because they wanted yeah. DiCaprio to get his prize. Day Lewis three. Day Lewis has the most ever three. I well, yeah, I thought Jack. Had well, no, Jack, Jack has three, three, but one of them's best supporting. <laughs> they're not all best it's actor. It's like, oh, they're not all best actors. Jack, well, him and Jack are tied, but <laughs> Delius has three best actors. Whereas well, he has the most Oscars ever, just playing Walt straight up back. Oh yeah, Walt Disney has like fucking thirty. He still fucking one of them. He's been dead for forty years. Now. <laughs> <laughs> still fucking churning them. Out. <laughs> Uh, Walt Disney has the, the most. I'm in o- fucking two pack, just still turning. <laughs> <away. laughs> he is. Uh, he is the most overall, but the most overall acting Oscars is. Uh, Catherine Hepburn four uh, four best actress. Four Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep has most three, nominations, and she has three. I think she has three Oscars. Does she have three Oscars? Or maybe two, but uh, Catherine Hepburn has the most Oscars out of any actor. It's four. Old enough, there is an. Oh, fuck! What's his name? Guy okay, my head. There are three actors. You have three Oscars. Uh, obviously, uh, Nicholson, Day-Lewis, and then I think it's Walter Brennan or something, but he has three best supporting, and he won them like almost consecutively in the 40s for just playing like you know supporting roles, but he also has three. Uh, oh, back onto the topic. What do you call that guy that he made like, what, like five films, but then they're all... John like, Cazelle. John Cazelle. Yeah. yeah. He, he has, I think he is, <laughs> he is the go-to for Flawless Record. Because not only is it all the films uh, he made were all nominated for Best, Best Picture. Picture so Dog Day Afternoon, Godfather 1, Godfather 2, Deer Hunter, and Conversation. The Conversation. That's, I mean, like, you can't, you can't top my record. Like. That is a flawless record. <laughs> that is a flawless record. <laughs> John K. That's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you'd call it there, actually. <laughs> because you're not topping that, you know what I mean? What was I going to say? Was well, it, did he die then, or what? He had uh, cancer. He cancer, died very young. Yeah. He was going with Meryl Streep. Is that what yeah. reminded you? Was it the Meryl Streep thing? Or was that just no, pure it was, coincidence? Um, I can't remember what reminded me. Mm, I know, I don't remember. <laughs> I think he actually got married to Meryl Streep. But it wasn't Meryl Streep, I know, because I didn't know he was going out with her. Right, so Ooh. there we go. We've nailed John Cazell has the greatest record in the history of cinema. That's it. Bosh. Boom. What would you know? <laughs> now what are we talking about? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Fucking dogs biting their hand at me here. Recommendation. Why do they bite my boot in a minute? Straight out the window, Sam. I'm going to have to head soon. I see, man. I get the fuck out of here, too. Okay, we'll move on to recommendations. Uh, uh, uh My recommendation is a recent one, Sicario. Just released last year. Is it not Sicario? I thought it was Sicario. No, Sicario. I was wondering. I thought you were trying to fucking take a hand. No, I think, I think it was my sister like said, like, oh, I think I'm going to go see that film, Sicario. Sicario, Sicario, Sicario. It's Sicario. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Sicario, just released last year, it's uh, Emily Blunt. Uh, I was about to say Antonio Banderas. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Jesus, what's the fucking name? 
the fuck's his name from? Benicio. Benicio del Toro. Benicio del Toro. I completely forgot his name there. Josh B. Uh, and then, obviously, Mr. Brolin himself. Uh, I sent you what a Sicario was. I think it's a Hispanic uh, translation as Hatman. So they're essentially really well trained, like CAA, like fucking pride deep cover agents going down there to try and fight the Mexican cartel. Takes place around like I think it's around Juarez and stuff like that. You know all the sort of badlands where that the cartel mm-hmm. basically have full control. And there was when it was first released, there was a bit of back and forth because a lot of people were saying, "Oh, it's you know it's a really inventive thriller and you know it's phenomenal performances by Benicio del Toro and Emily Blunt, which it is." But then a while a lot of people were saying, "Oh, well actually no, I've seen this film so many times before. I think it's quite overrated." Uh, I'm again very mild the road, very fancy. I just think I think it is quite a basic storyline, but I think it's exceptionally well made, very very tense, great performances. Uh, del Toro is a fucking stone cold killer on it, and I mean like it's it's one of those sort of killers that you don't usually see in cinema because he doesn't really have any redeeming qualities, but you're still sort of rooting for him in a way. Uh, there's a final scene where he's got a, a, a like a sort of standoff with a drug dealer and his family, and it's. Just, it, it actually shocked me because I didn't think it a, like a Hollywood production would actually go that way and, and kind of end it. that? Is it Dallas Buyers Club? It's guy? Dennis Villeneuve. Uh, it's Dennis Villeneuve. Is that That's it. Prisoners? Prisoners as well, yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, there's another one that considering he's only came out recently, he's fucking... Um, did he direct... Uh, did he not do... No, see, I always get him and Derek Seanfrance mixed up because Derek Seanfrance done... He done Place Beyond the Pines aye. and Blue Valentine. But Villeneuve has done Prisoners, Prisoners and Enemy is, with is Jake Gyllenhaal. Is Villeneuve doing uh, Blade Runner? Or I'm not is sure. It Derek? Or, mm, no, I think it is him. Uh, doing Blade Runner? Too. I, see, I'm getting confused with him and Dallas Buyers Club guy. That is, that's an R-boy as well. That's fucking... Because he did Wild and stuff as well. It's not Sean Frost. I'll just check this now because he's actually just released a film. What there? I'll just find this out. Okay, what's Heron, what's your recommendation? My Sean's Google. Did you talk about Colin July a few weeks ago? Jean-Marc Vallée Jean-Marc Vallée sorry that's uh, Dallas Buyers Club's the director yeah. uh, Cold in July did you talk about that recently I, it was ages ago so you can kind of kick in there but did you recommend it or something no I don't think so I don't think I've recommended um, I, I, I actually don't know the director of it but um, it's Michael C. Hall uh, Sam Shepard and fuck, Don and, Johnson uh, Don Johnson Don Johnson it's a proper kind of wee just a wee pulp kind of uh, crimes floral about this. Uh, I don't think there's nothing made anymore either. It's, it's so it's very cool. refreshing. They say like, ah, when was cool. it out? Like two years ago, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I, and I'm not, I'm not a big fan of what's his fucking name, Michael C. Hall. Yeah, I'm, I am a big fan. I know of you are, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hate fucking what he called. <laughs> what they call it, Derek? No, <laughs> that's fucking Ricky Gervais. <laughs> <laughs> that's how much I don't care. I hate but, uh, that show, Dwayne. <laughs> uh, I just, no, he just got very tomorotic and kind of weird, uh, <laughs> Dexter, and I just didn't. And That's it, what's I, good about it. it, it just, he has sex it, with everyone. And, and it was just very, uh, that voiceover just did my fucking head on me. Right, we're not talking about Dexter. We're I'm talking about <laughs> Fuck, I don't know. But I, so it's that, a different that, podcast. This, this put me <laughs> off him. Apart from, uh, the, I, I did see him in, uh, what do you call that remake of Running Man with Jared Butler? Oh, Gamer. 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 He was fucking brilliant in that. That's not a bad deal. <laughs> <laughs> he was really good in that. And I thought, right, well, I'll eventually give this phone because it's just there on, on, on demand. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll stick it on. Stuck it on, I mean. And uh, just a brilliant, very human kind of home invasion kind of thriller. But then just uh, this 
you know, the 70s one of uh, you don't know what you're getting yourself involved in and so on and so on. And uh, a couple of really nice plot turns that you didn't, weren't expecting. Do you not think that's what I absolutely, that's what my favourite thing about the film is, is that genre-wise, the genre of that film changes because it starts as, like like you're saying, like a home invasion thriller and then it becomes a sort of mystery of like who this boy is and then it turns on the almost like a fucking serial killer sort of thing uh, and they stop him you know what I mean a horror like a a human horror sort of thing it's really cool really well directed beautifully shot as well oh it looks superb and uh I just really well judged solid film like I mean it's not I don't think it's gonna be like a classic or anything but it's just it'll be I think it'll be a wee cult classic uh, it'll be be good to catch it before it sort of disappears I think Mm -hmm. really really good good score can I, I kind of retro something score to you, isn't it? It is. It's. Uh, it kind of reminded me of the gift a wee bit it's, in it's, ways. It's song. It's song that I brought up actually a long time ago when I was talking about Cold in July. But you know the way we were saying that when, like, there's almost like a revision of history every twenty years, and like stuff that was cool like in the nineties is becoming cool now again. And you know, obviously, Cold in July is set in nineteen eighty nine, so you can near enough kind of squeeze that under like the nineties, mm. but. It was song that I talked about a long time ago with a guest on Cold in July. It seems like those sort of carpenter synthy tropes and those sort of fucking stylistic flourishes that would have happened in the late 80s and early 90s films mm. are starting to become popular again in like a sort of pulpy cult sort of way. Mm. And that's that's definitely that. The soundtrack in Cold in July is exactly like that. I mean, mm. like it has that sort of synthy sort of sound and it, it just really adds to it. Like. Mm. Definitely. Did you not fucking uh, love the line as well when they're about to go on for the shootout? And uh, obviously Don Johnson plays the comic relief and he's kind of playing up this fucking Miami Vice sort of one. Uh, but he's all, come on, boys, it's how they do they time. He's great, isn't it? He fucking stays it. Classy. And he's really obsessed with his farm and all. <laughs> and pig farming and all here. He's just so many wee things through under his character just for the laugh like <laughs> but they're actually right, right. has a wee vein of humour that goes through there too which is also really nicely judged because it doesn't upset for how dark the sort of fucking neo-noir aspects here are going on the because uh, there's a whole thing about them fucking having to do the cover up in the, in the video store and all that but uh, it's it's really good <clears throat> my recommendation is The Giant Mechanical Man has anyone seen it? nope what the fuck is this? I thought you made that up right? <laughs> <laughs> That's a sequel to the Iron Giant. No, it doesn't. <laughs> uh, no, it's a. It's just a small indie kind of rom com film. Ooh. It's with Jenna Fisher and Chris Mencina or Mencini, like from Newsroom. I'll take a word for it. You know the guy from. <laughs> you know the guy from Newsroom, the the kind of network dickhead guy. He's quite young. He's on the Monday Project and stuff as well. Uh no. I don't. No, I know who you're on about from the Newsroom, but I don't. Is it the boy who's going out with Alison Paul at the start? No. No. No, I know the network guy that tells, like, is, like, uh, him and Jeff, no, what do you call? <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, what Jeff do you call Daniels. Jeff, Jeff Daniels. Daniels. Uh, they have, like, meetings about, like, the writings and all. I'll just Google them, continue. I know, no, <laughs> I, I have it here, it is Christmas, you know? I'm just trying to explain to you who he is. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But, uh, I know, Christmas, Cena. he dresses up as, you know, those... You know those kind of statue guys, you know, I'll tell you like what, street I, performers that I, like just stay really still. Mm, mm. But he 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 does it on stilts and he dresses up as this giant mechanical man and he just stands there for hours and it's a street performer and that's his love and that's what he wants to do. But then eventually, like he needs to get a job and he starts working at the zoo and Jenna Fisher. Uh, I can't actually one hundred percent remember her storyline, but she starts working at the zoo as well. So they know each other because they both work at the zoo. But then she meets 
she kind of gets into an interaction with the giant mechanical man, mm. but she doesn't know it's him. And there's a just a nice wee thing there that she kind of had this experience with the giant mechanical man, but she doesn't know it's him. And mm. but they're, they become friendly and slightly romantic and whatnot. It is kind of basic, kind of indie love story kind of thing, but it's it's well made. It's nice, you know. There's some people like Rich Summers on there. Oh, Bob Odenkirk's on there. You know, there's there's people that you know. There's people that you enjoy. It's it's well made and just it's a nice wee small indie love story. Lovely stuff. It. And it's it it I offbeat comedy is what they call it. But I've also just IMDb'd Christmas Cena, and what kind of worries me is that I've watched the full first season of the newsroom, and I don't think I've ever seen that man before in my life. And he's <laughs> <definitely not. laughs> he play, he's, the, he's the network guy. No, and he, I know he's definitely. I don't have to see it in his credits, but it's like it's I'm the problem here. Like <laughs> I should be remembering. <laughs> Like, do you, do you mind in the in the fix you episode? Like, I've just says I don't remember him at chat, all. But chat, I'm going to tell you. Do you mind in do you mind in the fix you episode where, uh, the the like that senator has been shot or something? Then they're telling him they say that she's dead, but it hasn't actually been yeah. declared yet. He's the guy that comes out. He's like declare her dead. Everyone else has done it, but then Don, the guy who's going out with Alison Pellows, is all no like. A doctor declares her dead, not you. Uh, what a bastard. He's you mind that bit? Song. He's directed a film called Alex of Venice 2014. And... It's probably terrible. It's got 5.9. That's alright. It's not so bad. 56 on Metascore. A workaholic attorney is forced to reinvent her life after her husband suddenly leaves. There we are. Oh dear. Give it a go. Anyway. Anyway. Okay, we'll wrap it up there, folks. Thank you so much for listening. If you like in contact with us, you know... Well, Did he recommend one? Ah, ah, yeah, I recommend the first one to go. Alright. Who's Dutton? Oh, you... fuck Don Johnson's not film too. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Messina's director of the baby. He's on there. He plays a character called Roger. And I continue. <laughs> <laughs> it's howdy doody time. <laughs> if you like getting in contact with us, you know, interrupt with some Don, Don Johnson facts. Just send them. Don facts. Don facts. <laughs> <laughs> Just send them right to us. You can find us on Facebook, Let's Talk More Movies Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Talk More Movies. Or you can email us, Let's Talk More Movies at gmail.com. You can leave us comments, reviews on all of the podcast services, iTunes, ACAST, Stitcher Radio, whatever you like. I have been your host, Michael Rezel. <laughs> I have been your host, Michael Rezel. Shaggo's <laughs> been Shanko. Yeah. Tom Hearns, Tom Hearns. Oh, yeah. Episode oh, 52, well. baby. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Don Johnson's class. Lolita <laughs> <laughs> Tomato with John Johnson. <laughs> See, see, I went to see Civil War with Harry the other night, and he was all like, "Oh, you doing the podcast uh, this week?" I was like, "I." He was like, "Oh, so I'll be a year doing the podcast." I was like, "Oh no, sure, year was a couple weeks ago, episode 15. He's all, "Aye, that's episode fifty, but this is episode fifty-two, so technically that's a year." And I was like, "Fuck away, off, Harry. I have worked this out. <laughs> we missed a week, and we did a pilot episode. Go fuck yourself." It's <laughs> not fifty-six weeks in a year now. <laughs> I think that's what it is on Mars. <laughs> All right, my bad. Time to move to Mars. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. 